Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Kill Connor Club podcast, episode 20. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler, here, of course, with James. How's it going, lads? And we have the community developer for Ubisoft Montreal, formerly of Assassin's Creed, Gabe Graziani, joining us today. How's it going, Gabe? It's going uh, fantastic, actually. It's really going well. That's awesome to hear. asking. (laughs) Thank you for joining (laughs) us today. Uh, everyone's really hyped about this episode, and I know James and I. Yeah, so am I. Very excited. Ready for this. Um, Going to be a really awesome podcast today. Uh, and, I mean, geez, there's not much else to say other than that. We can get right into it, James. Okie dokie. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to start off by saying uh, for those who don't know what a community developer actually does, do you want to go ahead and explain, Gabe? Sure. I mean, in, in the simplest of terms, I think the. The easiest way to explain it is uh, the community developer serves as a bridge between uh, the community that uh, plays a game and the developers who make the game. Um, now that that role has evolved a little bit over the years, so that now the community developer is actually responsible for coming up with a strategy to do that, um, or like a, an overall plan, and then community managers carry out that plan. Um, so we have two places where community managers work in both. Uh, uh, Newcastle in England, and then uh, also in uh, North Carolina, uh, in the United States. Um, and so it's the job of the community developer to work between the development team uh, and the community managers. Hear what the community is saying from the community managers. Um, gather all that information together, give it to the developers, and then go back and forth between the two, um, while trying to come up with fun things to do, like at uh, conventions and stuff, like PAX or or E3. Um, and then also trying to develop some like cool like programs and initiatives and things to get people involved. Make sure that there's like disputes or anything um, if those get those get uh, managed appropriately. Uh, it's a it's a whole big thing. Um, and it, it used to just be just like one or two people per game. And now uh, on Assassins they have a team which is uh, two com devs in Montreal, one community manager in Montreal, and then uh, two community managers in uh, one in Newcastle and then one in North Carolina. Well, I guess that's I grown, that's grown a lot compared to back, <laughs> yeah, back yeah. in the the day, I guess you could say. Now. Yeah, back in the Revelations days when it was just me and like David Rancourt or uh, <laughs> Nick Schmidt, just me and one other person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, for those who don't know, because uh, some people might just be uh, hearing this for the first time, that you've left the Assassin's Creed team, but are still working, of course, with Ubisoft Montreal as a community developer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, and it's like it's still sort of like to be defined, kind of. I mean, I've I've stepped away from the brand a little bit, but still remain uh, in their meetings and things, just as, as in more of a consulting role than anything else. And because it it seems weird to like just spend six years working on one brand and then be like, oh, all right, late guys, I'm out. Um, yeah. Have a good one. So, so I still do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, but apart from that, like my responsibilities have expanded a little bit. So I'm pitching in on some other brands as well. Um, like, uh, uh, like rainbow six, for example, which will be at PAX East, um, this upcoming weekend. And, uh, I'm going to see their, uh, ESL tournament. I'm going to check that out. Oh, awesome. I mean, so, well, I, I guess it is right in saying like, it's so hard, like you said, six years to be so invested in, you know, that work to just be like, mm. yeah, see you later. So, I mean, 
makes sense that you're still involved and you have such experience and knowledge as well with the franchise. So, I mean, it's very, uh, you know, invaluable information for Ubisoft to continue to, you know, have you consult like you are then. Well, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, I did, I did want to say... And James, I just want to say a quick thank you as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was... You, Ubi Central made that amazing video for you. And I know for, for, from our end, uh, I mean, I didn't even know what a community developer was until 2010 when I used to watch and pretty much every day get excited to go onto my YouTube feed and see a Gabe Graziani community Q&A. <laughs> 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 when wow thanks because <laughs> i would be oh, with the Ezio trilogy i mean my favorite games in assassin's creed i would be so excited to i would every second of every day in high when i was in high school just looking up any sort of news so seeing the work you put in it seemed like because to me a community developer seems like a person on every game that's out there the community should know about and I felt like you were the mm. first one I ever knew and kind of in some ways a bit of a trailblazer in terms of what you, the way you uh, c- did connect and did bridge with the community, like you said. Uh, mm. And it seemed like I all of a sudden I saw the roles of other games in, in Ubisoft as well, but also in other uh, game companies uh, as community developers kind of or similar roles with similar names but it seemed like the same thing that were popping mm. up more after that period of time because of the, I think each, in certainly in part of the great work you guys have done with Assassin's Creed because it just seemed like a, an, an obvious point to have someone connecting with the community like you did being able to do things like Q&A videos or those unboxing videos of the collections and things like that (laughs) with the infamous Jack in the Box Um, so I I did want to say another thank you to you as well for all of that because I mean it's meant a lot over the last five six years of you doing that wow thanks (laughs) that's that's a very humbling honestly like I mean uh, I I certainly can't take credit for creating the role <laughs> of community developer. Yeah, for sure. There, there were other ones at, at Ubisoft that ran before me, and I, I would, I, I would be, uh, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be very good for me to just uh, to not let that pass without citing some of the people who influenced me into doing what I was doing. Um, so I always come back to uh, Larry Herb over at Microsoft, who people might know better as Major Nelson. Um, when yeah. I started, and it, it's funny because I, I always mention these two guys as like being like the guys that I looked up to when I started doing this job and the guys that I emulated, but like we don't really know each other and I've never told them like face to face, like, hey, thanks a lot, Larry Herb. Like you have no idea who I am, but I know who you are because <laughs> I tried to do exactly what you did and it actually worked out pretty well for me. Um and the other guy would be uh four zero two uh Robert Bowling from the Call of Duty community. I mean he was in there like from the very beginning. So I, I was always looking to him, and he had a he had a really cool quote once that I really, really, really paid attention to. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what it was, and I have never been able to find it on the internet again. But he had said, uh, "When somebody is really raging and angry, like a community member is, like really uh, coming at you with uh, something that uh, you know they're very they feel very strongly about it. What he does is he ta- he strips 
all of the emotion and the like all that emotional content away from it to focus on what is it that this person wants and how can I help them to get it um, and that has been that that has been super super important for me to remember at various points during my career because um, you know whenever you get whenever you start to get angry or like whenever you start it, having feelings sitting at the keyboard it's time to like push it away and be like all right maybe i'll come back to this later yeah yeah totally makes sense i mean when we get Mm. hateful comments on our youtube channels certainly on a smaller scale we can yeah relate to that definitely of the sometimes you got to just give it a minute and be like i'll come back to that comment later because (laughs) the way i I, right now i don't have a nice way to react to this so i'm just gonna leave that there for a minute but the number of the number of responses I've typed out and then come back to like ten minutes later and been like, yeah, no, this is I'm not I'm just deleting this. I'm just gonna close this entire. I like my tab, job. Yeah. Entire window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I just wanted to say, uh, like, adding on to what Tyler said, like, the I think one of the main reasons I kind of got into making Assassin's Creed videos and growing my channel and creating and everything was because of the way I saw the community work for Assassin's Creed, and I think you were a big part of that, like Tyler said, with the Brotherhood and Revelations Q&As and things you did. Like, I was super excited for those as well, and I think part of that kind of made me want to connect with the community. It was the only community that I kind of saw that linked to, like, the company and the community was kind of bridged by, like, community developers like yourself, and I think that was the first time I ever saw that, and that's why I leaned more towards the Assassin's Creed community, and I always look to you for kind of, like what you had to say on things and like if, if anyone ever asked me like oh how can i like talk to assassin's people i want to tell them this thing or that i'd be like oh you could always you know ask gabe he seems like he'd be at a he, like he's a good link between us and the community and i don't know i just want to say thanks for that because you kind of gave me that kind of inspiration to go make a challenge in the assassin's creed community because of that kind of link oh man that's really cool to hear that's really really cool to hear because it was like uh it, it was a major thing i think for for us when we started doing the Q&A videos because and and I'm sort of disappointed that we didn't continue doing them um, because one of the like it it really highlights one of the cool things about YouTube um, and that was it's sort of like uh, the spirit of this like entrepreneurial spirit on YouTube where it could just be anybody with a webcam could just go and be like a YouTube star and like like have their own channel and like talk about whatever they wanted and have their voice be heard and find like-minded people and if there were like-minded youtubers they could do collaborations and stuff like that it was just such a tremendous community tool um and we were really excited to work on it and it was really it's it's always really gratifying to see people like take up to take the challenge right and be like all right well i'm gonna do this i'm gonna go ahead and make some videos and put them on youtube and like put myself out there because people don't really realize what a huge um, commitment that is and how terrifying it can be to commit to doing like a podcast or any sort of performance where you get in front of people and you just say like, okay, I want to talk about this and here's what I'm going to talk about. And then you have to open yourself up to all of their like responses and criticisms and like all the crazy things that they say. So like to hear that uh, some of the work that I did was in any way, um, sort of promoted that i that's really that's really cool to hear yeah yeah 100 and i did want to going back to what you said gabe as well with the whole um you know with your the people that inspired you and you're just you you're like oh i never said 
you know, they don't know who I am and, you know, it's weird to, it'd be weird to go up to them. So, I mean, for us, it's a great chance because we get to talk to you to actually say, you know, the thank yous and stuff. I mean, I just remembered something because I remembered I only made, speaking of your Q&As, I made my Twitter account. Like, you could, anyone could go back on my Twitter and the first tweet I ever did, I made it because I wanted to ask if you're going to do Revelations Q&As as well as the after the Brotherhood ones. And I think the first tweet was to you going, are you doing ACR Q&As? And you responded going, yes. And I'm like, oh my God, a developer responded to me. And I was like fanboying out. So it's a different experience now because I'm talking to you directly and, I'm, and I do YouTube videos, which I didn't back then. But very funny. I just remember that story. And I'm like, well, I can actually tell you now. It's not just a thing for me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, so cool. I did want to ask, after all this time working on the franchise, you know, what is, overall, what has Assassin's Creed meant to you and what's it been like for so long to work on this franchise? Wow. Um, Very yeah, vague that's, but that's... open question. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I like, so, yeah, I mean, when I started, it, it didn't, it seemed like, uh, it wasn't I don't know I, I the questions that I would always get from our like marketing people is like how come we aren't bigger like why aren't how do we make this like a, into a bigger deal right like how like how do we get to be at these like other crazy games that are like World of Warcraft or like Call of Duty or whatever and it was funny because I had thought like the entire time like well I mean you know give it some time we're on our way you know like let's let's keep doing what we're doing or whatever so like it's weird to look at it now and see like the amount of work that we did the number of like incredibly talented people that I've had the privilege to work with who make these games who have like made all of these uh, events and things a reality um, it's I mean I've been I don't know like it's it, okay so now it's gonna sound cheesy because I want to say that I've, I've just been blessed you know like <laughs> to be able to work on on such a such a big like huge like cultural phenomenon and it's funny because I remember sp saying specifically to someone one time when they're just like well how come we how come we're not doing better like way back in the Brotherhood's days I'm like how come we aren't doing as good as Call of Duty or how come we do aren't doing as well as Grand Theft Auto and I was like Grand Theft Auto is a cultural phenomenon you know what I'm saying like Mm. would it's it takes time to get to that level of like everybody knows your name right like and that's it's it's a process for us to be able to have that with assassins and it definitely seemed like it was on its way there but you know now looking back it's like it's we have a major motion picture coming out that everybody's talking about like we have like all of these we were taking a year off well, a year in air quotes a year off yeah um and and everyone's like oh my gosh what's gonna happen there's so much conversation surrounding it there's all these like new like the young adult series of novels coming out we have a whole like batch of like comics and stuff like that there's so much stuff all the time that just has gotten so beyond anything that i can even wrap my brain around um it's cool that like we have so many other people um in the in the community department now that can that can keep track of it all because <laughs> otherwise like oh man it's it's nuts it's just gotten so much crazier than it used to be um i mean i remember back in the when i first took over on brotherhood we had 165,000 uh facebook fans we didn't have a twitter 
um, at all. So wow. I used mine because that was a strategy. There was a strategy is like we would just use uh, we like people on Twitter like to talk to people instead of companies. So rather than have like at Assassin's Creed, we decided to just use the community developers Twitter. And so I lucked out because I happened to be working on Assassin's Creed. So at Ubigame became like the default one for the for Brotherhood. And then we then we launched at Assassin's Creed um, after that because it was. Uh, probably probably like in retrospect definitely a good idea <laughs> <laughs> definitely a good idea to not just have UB game be the primary Assassin's Creed Twitter that was uh, at first I was like when they first were like oh well we're gonna do this I was like wait but that's not the strategy yeah. and then <laughs> and now I'm like yeah well I want all the probably... followers <laughs> <laughs> right like, I can't say that wasn't in that wasn't part of partially in my mind but the, but the main thing was like no look i'm already doing this and you guys want me to run like two twitter accounts now that's crazy plus i already have all these i already have like it was funny because i'm like i already have like 1500 twitter followers like <laughs> i don't want what am i gonna do with all those twitter followers <laughs> oh that's brilliant that's great i mean um, i mean now after you, like you said with how big assassin's creed's come i become i mean I can say to someone now, if if I would to mention I do YouTube videos, they're like, oh, what do you make YouTube videos on? I'm like, oh, you know, you know the video game Assassin's Creed? I'm yet to find someone that at least, they're like, I've never played it, but they know what it is. Everyone's heard the name Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like, it, it didn't, it did not used to be like that at all. Like, it took forever for my parents to figure out what it was I did for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just making this up, Gabe? Like, that's what your parents would ask you, things like that? Is this... What are you really doing? Yeah, no, no, it's true. Like, well, I mean, even today, if you ask them what I did, they'd be like, oh, he works in games, like, and then he's like, uh, I don't know, he does YouTube videos or something. And, because, like, they just... I mean, in, in, in as much as anyone can really know what you do at your job all day, like... Yeah, of course. They, they, they know who I work for and roughly, like, what industry it is, but, like... But yeah, no, it was it. Like I had worked as a game journalist for years and years and years before I took the job as a community developer, and then I started at Ubisoft seven years ago. And yeah, it was my first job on the publisher side, which, as as like a game journalist would tell you, like it's the dark side. I went to the dark side. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so so yeah, it was a, it was a big change, and like my parents knew what I did when I was a game journalist, they didn't understand how I got paid for it, which, I mean, was it was fine. <laughs> but they knew that I, I played video games and then I, like, wrote articles about them that, uh, you know, would, would exist on the internet. But then when I moved here, they were like, okay, we don't have any idea what this is now. <laughs> it's, it's really, really different than, than what I was doing. But it was, it's funny, though, because the jobs are actually kind of similar in terms of you, you know, immerse yourself in the game and like how it's made and things like that and then you just talk to people about the game um based on you know whatever new features are going to be in it and what you think is cool and stuff it's not like an incredibly complicated uh equation when you get right down to it but but yeah it, do it does take a lot of work though yeah to have all that knowledge mm -hmm. and be immersed yeah like you said in that franchise and stuff and be like see mom i told you playing video games is a career i've, I've done it <laughs> <laughs> That's me every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think God. that's I think that's actually really like that's really poignant, honestly. Like, uh, there 
because like, I did run into a lot of that um, growing up. I remember specifically there was when I started going to college. Uh, or as they say in the UK, university. Started going to university, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I had like I had to buy my books, and I was working a job at the time, so I was able to pay for my books. But my aunt had offered to give me money to pay for my books, and so I took the money because I was like, "Yeah, all right." And I went out and I bought a PlayStation um, <laughs> because I'd already bought all my books, and I had this money left over, and she wanted to give me money, so I was like, "All right, thank you for the money. I'll spend it on books," which. I mean, I guess I could have been like, well, I spent the money on the books, but then I had money left over for myself, and then I spent it on... That's not exactly how it worked out, so... Yeah, and she you refused didn't tell to her, ever... I'm guessing you didn't tell her. No, she found out, and then she would never give me money for for, for university ever again. <sighs> so I was just like... so I, I w- And I had to accept it, because I was like, yeah, well, I mean, that that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're right not to give me any money. And her whole thing, like the number of times that I got, well, I tried to give you money for books at one time and you just spent it on those those darn video games and they're going to rot your brain and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. So it's funny, like of all the people in my life, my aunt is probably the one who is most impressed that I have been able to like forge this thing that was like going to rot my brain into an actual career. <laughs> I could support my family. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, you can give her the credit for. I mean, it's because you gave me the money for the PlayStation. That's the only reason. Like you, you, you did it's it. True. <laughs> How else would I even have the PlayStation? Like that's where. It all, I guess it didn't all start with the PlayStation, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I did play. I did play Tenchu Stealth Assassins on the PlayStation, and that has helped me immensely in in knowing, understanding, like what it takes to play a stealth game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, now that you mention it, I don't even know what f- the first stealth game I played was because it, de- it wasn't Assassin's Creed because there had to be something. Maybe it was like, like Splinter, Splinter Cell. Cell. I think it might yeah. have been the first Splinter Cell. Maybe probably or Hitman. Well, it's funny because like I think that's part of it with the with the Assassins. It's we talk about it like it's a stealth game, but it hasn't actually been like a stealth 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 game. Like yeah, the first one was the first and second ones were more about like a social stealth, right? Where you like sure. have to blend into the crowd and like do like that is it's like kind of a different take on stealth definitely and then it's gone into more of the action adventure i mean there's still the social stealth element in all the games Mm. but i mean it's such a phenomenon and being an assassin's like being a jedi like it's just kind of that heroic thing more than the secret thing it seems like yeah that's kind of how it goes and it's i mean it's easy for that to happen when it's such a popular thing and everyone's like oh an assassin Especially after Ezio. I mean, it's like, well, there's Jesus. They're right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, we don't uh, we don't talk too much about Ezio anymore, but he's still, like, such an important figure in the, in the series, right? Like, I mean, around the office, his photo is everywhere, right? Like, these, all, we have all these images of Ezio everywhere. But, like, for myself, like, the it's been such a long time since the Ezio trilogy. I mean, we had, like the Kenway saga in between there and now we have uh between unity and syndicate like kind of a new engine and direction for the games to go that is really different i think than what we had with even like ac4 and rogue so yeah it's funny to think back about what an what an important character Ezio still is for people just oh, because 100% yeah 
he's such he's such a likable guy and his games were, like honestly his games were so good like ac2 and brotherhood are some of my favorite assassin's creed games of all time yeah and i don't think anything will ever change that because and that makes him some of my favorite games of all time right like not even talking about um you know like legend of zelda and stuff like that yeah. AC, ac brotherhood is probably one of my favorite games of all time so agreed. like 100 yeah. percent agreed mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, James and I have talked about it countless times about how much we love Ezio. I mean, you can tell by the name of our podcast. There's one we're not that much of a fan of. Like, he's like, we're like, uh, maybe not. But, uh, okay. just, just maybe not. But uh, Ezio <laughs> is, I mean, in some oh, ways, boy. he's still still the poster boy, though. Like, it seems like, and this is something I, I, I guess we were probably going to ask you later on, but, I mean, since it's been brought up, because... I've always been curious as to why there was a direction change from a character that gets multiple games to a, to characters that get one game and we move on because it's just seemed like a concern to me to see that it's five years later and when we had, I think it was the nine-year anniversary for Assassin's Creed 1 or something like that. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. which one specifically it was. Maybe it was nine years since it was announced or something uh, last year and there was a picture put up and had, like, all the assassins on it, but front and centre was still Ezio. But we hadn't had, like you said, we haven't had a game with him for so long, but he's still the poster boy. Has that at all been some sort of uh, uh, concern to try to create another, not create another Ezio, like carbon copy the character, but another character that is as iconic? Has that been a goal? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, like, I think every person that makes games like every team that makes games wants their character to be super iconic like to the point where they'll often name parts of that character's attire an iconic something or other (laughs) but like i think that's definitely i think that's definitely the goal for anyone that sets out to make a game you want that main character to be like just the thing that seals the deal for everybody um and for sure like i know i i mean i've been a part of discussions where where we're talking about the new assassin right and like how and it's funny because even internally we always measure them against Ezio yeah like how is this character going to measure up to Ezio like what qualities do they share with Ezio what makes them different from Ezio why is this not just another Ezio right like it's he's definitely in those conversations that I have been a part of, which admittedly occur much, much later in the in the game's actual development, right? Like, um, I don't want to say that, like, writers are, like, coming to uh, the community managers and saying, like, well, what should we make our game about? <laughs> like, that's definitely not, that's definitely not happening. Like, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, for sure. Like, I know that uh, it, it is, a, it is, a, it is a constant thing. And so that's why I think, I think it's, it's trying to figure out what it was that made Ezio so appealing, too. I mean, you'll notice with uh, Arnaud is very flippant and very, like, uh, like clever with his, with his, like, little witty remarks and things that he says to people all the time. Um, but it seems clear that that's not 100% what made Ezio, like, such a memorable character because Arnaud is not memorable in the same way that Ezio is memorable. Right, like I don't think I'm breaking yeah. any rules to, to no. admit to that. No, no, I don't, <laughs> um, I don't think and so. It's certainly, and it's certainly not because of the performances either, because Dan Genot's performances are no is phenomenal. I really, really like it. Like, and I, I've met Dan Genot, and he's an excellent actor, and he does a fantastic job. So it's like there's just some strange alchemy, and I think that it's 
not even just for Assassin's Creed, but for a lot of different games are looking for a character that has just that right uh, degree of charisma and cleverness and vulnerability and, you know, has this like broad arc to try and to try and hit that to make their character really, really uh, engaging. Right. Um, which is funny because I, I was going to ask you guys why are why your podcast is called the Kill Kill Connor podcast. <laughs> James, do you want to take this one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, essentially, we want to get together a hate mob to go <laughs> and attack Connor. No, um, no. Ge- genuinely, though, the reason it's called that is because the first ever time we streamed, me, Tyler, and someone who used to be one of the hosts, uh, the gaming sheep, Joe, we did um, a live stream uh, for Unity um, ages ago. Um, and we were just talking about different characters, what we like, what we didn't like. And Tyler was like going off on one hating on Connor. And then someone commented, kill Connor Club. And we were just like, uh, it kind of got brought up at the end. Like everyone was hashtagging it on Twitter and stuff. And, we, and Tyler was just kind of like, well, if we ever do a regular podcast, that's what we'll name it. And we just went with it. <laughs> just a community joke. Like we don't actually hate Connor that much. It's just our least favorite, I yeah. think. It's because, you know, like I say it a lot, I'm like, well, it's, it's a video game character. I'm not, like, losing sleep over, you know, Assassin's <laughs> Connor in Assassin's Creed <laughs> 3, like, waking up like, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen to me. But, but just, it's a funny joke. And I mean, I think, what was the specific story, James, in the, in the live stream? Because there was the rumours that Connor was going to be in Unity because the timelines oh, yeah. matched up. Yeah, and I, right. I, I, one of my friends had said to me, um, and I brought this up in the podcast, that what if uh, Connor tried to kill Elise because she's a Templar and then Arno killed Connor? And then I'd be like, wow. oh, that would be amazing. Best Assassin's Creed ever. <laughs> or, um, greatest moment of all time. Uh, and then the Kill Connor Club hashtag got brought up by somebody and then it just kind of went from there like wildfire and then it's just a funny name it kind of clicks I'm like yeah it's cool <laughs> so that's the origin story <laughs> I see I see I see because personally Connor's I, I really like Connor I think like one of the things here's one thing about Connor if you didn't play the homestead then he's a terrible character but like, because the homestead is the only place where he can actually like relax and be himself, kind of, kind of an okay dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, all the other time he's just totally single-minded about finding Charles Lee, and that's all he wants to do is <laughs> find Charles Lee and like kill like eighty thousand redcoats yeah. at once in New York on yeah. the street. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I can see why people don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't react to it. Yeah, I, I played the homestead missions and I liked them. But surely that's worrying that you have to play the Homestead missions to like a character. Like, yeah. there weren't Ezio Homestead missions. Like, we liked him anyway. It's so true. It's so... Although I will say the Christina side missions in Brotherhood oh, were Get me every phenomenal. time. Oh, oh, get me every right? time. Right? <laughs> I just mention them and I'm just like boom, tears right now. Cry. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, with the, like you said, the homestead, because we just had Aftermath, we just had Nick on the podcast in the last episode, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, he said the exact same thing, he goes, but the homestead missions, and I'm like, yeah, I've played them, like, I mean, <laughs> I've 100%ed every Assassin's Creed game, all the achievements, yeah. like, I, I, even whether I, whether it's my favourite or not, I'm still doing that, like, I have to. Uh, but uh, of course, yeah. But and the homestead missions were my favorite part, and also maybe the naval missions as well, which is why I love oh, Black yeah. Flag 
phenomenal. You know, that naval gameplay is phenomenal. But yeah, mm. I'm like, eh, yeah, but the rest of the game, <laughs> he's... I think my comparison is Hayden Christensen in the Star Wars prequels. Oh, Anakin, that's oh. always my comparison to... <laughs> ah. kind of, Oh, uh, right with the heart, that one. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fair. I mean, you know, is Connor Connor isn't a character for everyone. I think that's the other thing too is he's not especially likable. Um, yeah. But it's funny because, like, for me, that's part of what I like about him. He's got like some like weird like social anxiety going on, and I like that. <laughs> he's definitely complicated. Certainly, certainly complicated. Yeah, and he has his moments. Sure. Like, he's not like it, it's. I can play Assassin's Creed Three. I'm not going to be like. <laughs> Oh no! Really? Not that. Yeah, I can. <laughs> because because you told me. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Let's 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 have this conversation right now. <laughs> you did you did say before you were like oh well because mm, because we were talking about because obviously your least favorite is AC three my least favorite is Unity and yeah. I was talking about like like I was like oh you know because you were like you can play Unity you I and can. I was like but I, I, can I can't play. do that and you were like yeah but I'm like that with AC three yeah but I'm not like, that I'm not but yeah I'm not. I didn't break discs, man. Like, I'm Let's doing... not talk about Unity. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I actually wanted to um, bring something up. Like, this is backtracking a little bit, but I was it's been playing on my mind. Um, yeah. Why is it the Ezio Trilogy is called the Ezio Trilogy and the Kenway Saga is called the Kenway Saga? Because didn't that have three games as well? Hmm. That is a good question. I think because they figured that Saga sounded cooler. Um, honestly. Was there a chance right. there was going to be more than three? <laughs> originally um, they came my saga as soon as four got announced it was like it's a saga i'm like oh okay i didn't realize yeah yeah no i don't i don't think so because like the kenway saga is considered to be ac3 ac4 and then and then rogue yeah mm-hmm. is it because the different characters you play as well yeah so there's yeah because it's because it's connor and then edward and then also hate them right so I think that could that could be part of it too, because like, mm-hmm. in that case, it's three games, not three like parts of a story, right? Like yeah, Ezio's three games yeah. are, and and they, and they go in order, right? Like Ezio's games go, he's born and then grows up to be to start being assassin, becomes a leader of an of the assassins in Brotherhood, and then um, retires from assassins assassinating in uh in uh, revelation so well, now you so it's a to play those games everyone totally spoiled i mean in my defense those games are like five years old so. yeah, yeah trust me we never give yeah. spoiler warnings ever on this we talk about everything <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so whereas the kenway saga is all out of uh it's not it's not chronological it doesn't start at the beginning and then go to the end. It involves like a bunch of different people, um, who m- most of which are playable at least in the Kenway line, um, and uh, and yeah, I think wh- why do I feel like Rogue is not the right one to I think be? It in? Is yeah, it's just because it, you don't like, play as like during. Yeah, yeah, you're not. You're yeah. playing as you're. You're not play, You're not playing as a Kenway. That's what's weird about it. You're not, it. but it's kind of it's that bridge between AC four and AC three. Like it's the kind of like a prequel to AC three. Yeah. I think that's kind and of it, and it tells Haytham's story without because you can't play as Haytham because he's already conceived Connor. So there's no way you could oh, relive yeah. Haytham's memories at that point. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the best way it yeah, could happen, sense. which makes sense. I mean, I would have loved to have played as Hatham um, in his own game, but it's kind of had to be that way, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've solved we've solved the problem then. There we go. We got it. <laughs> whenever, whenever though the Ezio trilogy gets brought up. And I just wanted to ask you, I'm not going to ask you any specifics in terms of, can you tell me the answers, but more of the question of what what are your thoughts on that topic? And that is my obsession for the box at the end of... Oh, that damn box. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, no, that's everyone's reaction ever when it gets brought up. That box, that damn box. Column's just there listening to the podcast like there's two boxes, Tyler. And I'm like, there's two. <laughs> Until I see two boxes next to each other, James, there's one box. Until they're next to so each other. I'm pretty sure that there is just one box. Oh, thank you. Oh, you said of course, that. Of course I've uh but see now I'm gonna get in trouble. Right? Like I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but I, I wouldn't like necessarily put because this is the thing, is it like I have off and on ask questions like pose these questions to our various writers from Corey may um to uh jeffrey O'Hallam to uh richard uh Fariz. and they have at different times giving me different answers and at different times giving me different answers from each other but then sometimes they agree and then sometimes they're the same and then sometimes it's like so it's always very like it's always a very prickly thing for me because I get it confused in my own head of what they finally decide on or yeah. what it's supposed to be and how they have had to change it in order to adapt to different things that happen. Um, because that is the thing that they're doing that they're always like trying to manage. Like they are always looking at how and I know this is like Richard's primary thing is to keep it all so that it makes sense and with so many different arcs like just on the on the like uh in in the universe currently it's already really complicated um so i'm pretty sure there's just one um i'm pretty sure the one that we see in chronicles is the one that is given to xiaoyun by Ezio. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same one, and there has been a lot of discussion yeah. over whether it's the same one that's in Rogue. Yes. And uh, I have not been able to get a definitive answer about that. Um, oh, because, yeah. yeah, because I think that Richard would prefer for it to be, at the moment, a mystery. Okay. Yeah, mate, so they can... Yeah. I've always been under the impression it's the same solely because I think and it, I mean it's hard because the box changes which happens over engine changes and things like that but it changes mm-hmm. how it looks um, mm-hmm. from you know Arta Wale when he got the box in Freedom Cry oh, God, he um, had it as well didn't he yeah, he, oh that's right that's right when he <laughs> like I have got I've got videos on my channel that are just all of the boxes where it's gone and stuff and because I'm obsessed, yeah. like I'd like you, you come to my apartment, <laughs> it's like obsessed. on the wall, it's like just all the strings and shit, like just everywhere, like where it's gone. <laughs> um, and that keeps me up at night. Connor doesn't. That keeps me up at night. Uh, and <laughs> the box it was the exact same one Ezio had in terms of how it looked, 
than Adewale got, and then I assumed it had to be because it was Adewale's time. That's where the box. It was the same box in Rogue, even though it looked slightly altered. And then the things it mm. did, and then the one in Chronicles seemed to be the same one because Xiaoyun's memories or something were in the box when they, it was in Russia. So like it's it had to be the same box that she had, which means Ezio had it. Like so, there's definitely possibilities that at least Ezio's box has gone a long way. But is it the same, yeah, like you said, as the one in Rogue? I hope so. It would make... It's like, makes... To me, it makes Ezio still relevant, if that makes sense. Like, he put all these events into motion. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty insane sure. to think about because of how much and how many people have died for that box. And Ezio's just like, not telling anyone, here you go, let's fuck with everyone in the future right now. Let's just, here you go, this is going to fuck everyone <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> ultimate troll moment for Ezio one final one final gift yeah I also do think by having just the single box it makes it more special like because there's a lot of apples we know that and like pieces of Eden but by having one box it makes it extremely special and like this all powerful item that we don't really know what it's for other than the fact that they showed it in Rogue doing the whole translation thing Mm. but then I don't really know why Ezio had it in the first place and then he gives it to Xiao Jun like hey don't open it, but only if you lose your way. So Xiao Jun's like lost, and she's like, "Oh, let's open the box." And it's, it's like doesn't do anything because she doesn't have a power source. She's just there, like Ezio, you fucking ass. What are you doing? And he's just like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> "That's what you get for coming to me when I was retired." <laughs> Bitter old man. <clears throat> oh, Jesus excellent. Christ. Classic box. Ah. Uh. Okay, right, we're done with the box. Um, yeah, I, I can yeah. move on for now. For now, hang on. I'm just, hang on. Let me just change the strings around because I've just got to adjust some, some of the board. Um, okay, yep. Yeah, uh, no, I'm good great. now. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> okay, uh, so continuing with our questions, I wanted to ask, um, do you have any favourite moments working on Assassin's Creed? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I do. Um, there's, I have a lot of favorite moments um a lot of special moments but i think one of my one of my most favorite like the one that sticks out the most in my mind was playing uh assassin's creed revelations on stage in front of four thousand GameStop managers um and almost dying um, <laughs> during the demo oh, yeah. okay yeah. during the demo not, not, not yeah not real life like almost dying chandelier, <laughs> chandelier fell fire started like yeah i don't know if you guys know very many GameStop managers but they're pretty brutal they're pretty violent so they were like throwing knives at me on the stage <laughs> um no 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 i in the demo yeah yeah definitely it was well, and the worst so there's a story that goes along with that too because uh so we were going over the demo the night before with um with the announcer guy, Mr. Caffeine. Um, oh, I and, love that guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's amazing. Aaron Priceman, he's like, it's funny because, so you see him on stage, but then working with him, like to try and get the demo down and what we were going to say, what I would say and what he would say on a stage in front of 4,000 people, he is so professional and like so on top of things. Like he's a completely different guy and like super rational and super analytical and like just like an amazing performer. Um, cause then he goes out on stage and it's just it switches on to like 40 bajillion volts and is like this amazing, like sun on stage. <laughs> My God. Um, but yeah, so we're in this hotel room with some brand managers and stuff and we're going through the demo. And at one point I screwed up and like, uh, got, I got sighted 
And so, like, all the enemies came over, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm sorry, guys. And we're going through the demo over and over and over again to make sure that we get it perfect. And I just screwed it up because I, I didn't I didn't do it right. And so now I was going to have to beat these guys and, like, uh, as fast as I could so that we could restart and go through the thing again. Um, and so I switched to unarmed, and the guy came at me, and I grabbed his mace, and I proceeded to, like multi-kill the rest of the guys to death with this mace and the kills were like so brutal and so crazy they're like oh my god actually can you do that like tomorrow during the demo and i'm like i don't know so we practiced that again a bunch of times now with me actually screwing up getting seen and having to kill all these guys it turned out that every time that group of guys had at least one who had a mace so i could use the mace to like do the counter kills and i practiced enough so that like i could go ahead and like switch to unarmed and like wrestle the mace from the guy and then kill the rest of the guys without too much trouble we're on stage though the next day after having like i don't know four hours of sleep or something and um we get to the part where i'm supposed to screw up and the screwing up part went great they noticed me <laughs> and they came running over and i saw that there were like three guys with maces it was a group of like five dudes because this is back in assassin's creed where you could kill five dudes without really breaking a sweat yep. too much and I keep trying to do the counter to the unarmed counter to take the guy's mace away from him. And I don't know, like, I don't, I don't want to, the, the thing is the night before I was doing it perfectly every time, but then for some reason on stage, I feel like it might've been like some input lag of like, even just a couple of seconds or something. I could not do it. I could not do it to save my life. Every time what? a guy came in to attack me, Ezio would just like, He'd do the little like hand thing, like yep. right. Yep. He'd yeah. start doing it and then just get clubbed right in the face. I'm just like, oh no, it's not working. <laughs> to the point where Mr. Caffeine is just like, oh, I think Gabe needs some uh, some of your some of you guys to start clapping here. Come on, let's hear it for Gabe. And they like, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's gotten so bad. He's <laughs> getting the audience to cheer me on because I could see like they took off the health bar and everything so that everyone could see the screen really well. They removed all the UI, but I could see the monitor like the weird little like glitches like come oh, across no. it mean like it starts going pink and everything and Jesus. i'm just like if i get killed if i get hit again i'm gonna die i'm gonna die on stage in front of four thousand gamestop managers oh, no. playing our game this is fantastic and then and it's not like it's not like i just die and then like you start five seconds again it's like no we have to restart the entire demo <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, God. for like five minutes so I was just like, all right, I'm just going to just kill these guys. I don't, I'm not going to do this thing that we discussed. Like, I'm just going to kill these guys as best I can. I made it through just by the skin of my teeth, and we continued the demo. And what was crazy is afterwards, I'm walking through – because the GameStop manager showcases at different places. This year it was at uh, Las Vegas. So afterwards, I'm done, and I'm, like, feeling kind of shaky because I almost just screwed that up really bad. Um, and uh, – I'm walking through the casino, and one of the managers from the GameStop manager showcase is like, oh, hey, you're the guy that was playing Assassin's Creed, right? I'm just like, yeah. He's like, man, that part where you almost died, that was so good. That was so crazy. I was so scared you were going to die. I was like, yeah, no. It's <laughs> totally on purpose. That's part of the show, dude. Glad you like it. You should totally like tell everyone to pre-order this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Oh, but yeah. That's probably the most memorable thing, I think. Aside from, like, getting to be on a freaking pirate ship in San Diego 
and like a million other opportunities like being flown to istanbul with the rest of the dev team like the oh, de wow. the court for uh revelations like i mean there's this this brand has afforded me a million once in a lifetime things yeah. that i never even hoped to experience um on my own i'm super super grateful in 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 that in that vein of traveling to those locations in real life I wanted to ask because mm. I'm a big fan of that. I I did Italy because of Assassin's Creed two years ago, yes. a year and a half ago, and it was the greatest experience of my entire life. Like, it was unreal going to Florence, which to me I'm like, it felt I was just turned to my friend who's obsessed with Assassin's Creed as well, and I'm like, this is we're in AC, this is it, we're in it, um, and Rome as well. Like it was amazing, but I imagine you've been to way more. What what's your favorite <laughs> place? to visit in real life from the Assassin's Creed games. Whoa, okay. Um, that's a good question, because I've actually, I've never been to England. That's one that was like, this last one I was like, oh man, nice, nice, we're finally doing a game in England. I can finally go to London. Uh, I didn't get the chance to go this year. Because um, <laughs> I, I suspect I would like it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, It's the only one I've been to. <laughs> there you go. And it hasn't changed much. It's basically the same. It um, is. <laughs> but uh gosh yeah um so of all the places that i have been i think i would have to say that florence is probably mm -hmm. my favorite but even it's weird though because i visited there I, I went on a tour with my parents um of florence rome and venice um in the year 2000 or whatever and uh yeah, that. So I had I before I even worked at Ubisoft, I had I had gone to Italy and yeah, it still I think would be my favorite. Florence for sure would be my favorite place, just yeah. because it's an amazing place. Like yeah, and for sure like I don't know like I like the entire that entire trip to Italy. Oh man, you ca you can't have a bad meal no. in Italy. You oh. can try as hard as you can, and you will not succeed. The food is so good. Oh, it's, it's I'm amazing. a firm believer. I'm yeah. a firm believer in traveling for food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, hundred percent. Like, but I think as well because there's so much walking you do, and especially when you climb like the the bell tower of Florence and anywhere. Like, I thought I'd come back and gain a lot of weight because I did nothing but eat, nothing but eat. Yeah. But I also yeah. walked so much that I lost weight overall on the trip, and I was like, I couldn't believe this. But yeah, did you did you have you been to Italy since the games have come out? No, no, uh, I haven't. No, Be I haven't. Because going, I think the weird thing with Florence, I, I agree, that was my favourite place, but I haven't been to all these others, but the deja vu I got on, like, um, the I forget the name, the bridge, the the start of AC2, where Ezio is, uh, where he fights the yeah, Pazzis. It's the Ponte Vecchio? Yes, that's it, the Ponte Vecchio yeah. on the, yeah, on the river Arno, and I was standing there, I'm like, this is exactly, this, like, I've been here a million times this doesn't feel it almost didn't feel special because i'm like yeah i know i was here last week uh you know what you know whatever like uh, i've killed a bunch of guys here it's like not a big deal right <laughs> the bleeding effect is real Tyler. yeah so like good. i had real life bleeding effect essentially is what happened the deja vu moments and at the front of the duomo yeah it was it's unreal and i'm i'm glad to hear i've been yeah. to the best one then that's i like that yeah no, for sure. I mean, well, see, for me, I had that backwards, right? Like, because yeah. I wasn't actually working on Assassin's Creed um, when Assassin's Creed 2 came out. Um, that was another comdev, Amar Azazia, who's now head of content um, for the Assassin's Creed brand. Um, and 
like uh, I remember playing it and being like, man, I've been here and this is crazy. I can't believe it's like, I mean, it's not identical because, of course, it was a long time ago. But it's still like, it's weird to be able to like go to a place in a game that you're familiar with, even just like a little bit. Um, it was really fascinating. Sure, I know. Yeah, being there was an incredible experience to, especially being such a fan because I went on a Kentucky tour. I'm not sure if you know Kentucky tour, if you've heard of those, but like there's like 50 people you're with and it's kind of awkward because me and my mate were like, probably shouldn't just tell people we're here for a video game, yeah? Like, let's just keep that to just ourselves, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but then like on the last day, because you, you become like best friends with everyone on this trip because, you know, you're sharing such an experience. I go to, I did say, someone's like, we're trying to figure out because the tour had ended, but we all met up because we're still there for a few days. And someone's like, which way do we go back to the hotel? And I go this way. Cause we're in, uh, uh, the Piazza Nevera, which just has like the three fountains. And it's where one, I think the first Christina mission is like where the markets are, or it's at least where one <laughs> of the Christina <laughs> missions are. And, uh, they go, no, I think it's that one. I get, no, it's, it's that way. Like, how do you know? I'm like, trust me. I've been here before. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> and I did say, I then go to, I, they're like, I said, I've played Assassin's Creed, I got this. And one of them goes, no, I trust you, 100%. And then it turns out all of them, like all these guys I was talking to, they're like, yeah, no, I agree. I was literally telling everyone, I feel like I've been here before. I'm like, it's not just us. It's not just us. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty insane. It's awesome. so awesome. <laughs> um... I also want to ask, speaking of all your favourite moments and talking about you working on Assassin's Creed for so long, uh, since you've, I guess, you have, haven't left the franchise officially, unofficially, or whatever, what did lead to the decision, and was it your decision, I guess, to move on from Assassin's Creed to other projects with Ubisoft? Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, so... I think, yeah, that's a a very good question. Um, And one that uh, I have discussed with... uh, with my boss in our communications department, um, uh, a whole, whole bunch. Because, I mean, five years is a long time to work on any one thing. Um, so, I mean, even though I adore Assassin's Creed and I owe much of my career to the hard work of the developers that made Assassin's Creed um, what it is, it's just time for me to move on a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm the only comdev that has served on a brand that released annually for as long as AC has. So I have like I have an interest like for myself to take some time and arrange those experiences in in just in my head, right? Like just to understand what I have been doing because when you are working on a game that comes out uh every year year on year, um stop yeah, it, 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 yeah, and it, and especially for a community, it really never, ever, ever, ever ends because you, for a lot of the marketing teams, um, or at least the way it used to be, because I, I can't say that it's like this anymore. Like we actually, uh, Ubisoft does a very like, very structured and um, very, uh, very potent uh, marketing response following launch. But it used to be that the game would launch and then everyone was done, right? Like. Mm. The game would come out, and apart from our team in Annecy that would work on the multiplayer, the developers for the single-player game would mostly move on to other projects and start working on other things. Um, and meanwhile, like the community developers would would be there saying, like, we. I mean, we had 
developers that we could report bugs to, and then they would fix those bugs with patches and things like that. But it was a much smaller team um, that was, you know, tasked with doing those things. Um, so, you know, we're so everyone that we've been working with for like the last eight months or whatever is now doing something else. Um, and then we get new people coming in that are starting to work on the next game that's coming out. And so you're simultaneously trying to uh, make sure that everything is going fine in the post-launch phase with the game that you just released while trying to spin up with the rest of the marketing team on the next game that's going to come out and what you're going to do for announcement and what you're going to do for E3 and what you're going to do. So you really only have like a couple of months where you're dealing with the post-launch all by itself yeah. before before you have to move on to the next thing. Um, and in that scenario, like... You know, I mean, of course, I was tasked with creating postmortems every year, right? Like, with what worked and what didn't work and stuff like that. But, like, in terms of real examination of the broader, like, okay, so we know we did this this year and this seemed to work really well. And we know we did this this year and it didn't work as well. But how do we compare that to the year before or the year before that or the year before that? Like, do they tell a greater story or some other kind of story? Um as we as, as we progress through the years like what can we learn that we can apply to other brands uh at ubisoft from what we've done with assassin's creed um so for sure it's been and i think like it, it's not necessarily rocket science there's a lot of sociology there's a lot of psychology there's a lot of you know um social engineering and stuff like that uh, a lot of communications that goes into um what we do but i just for myself would I'm really wanting to have some time to sit down and look back and go over some of the things that we've done, get those postmortems together and figure out if there's anything that I can pull out of it that will be valuable to my coworkers, basically. Yeah. I mean, like you said, when, I mean, I never really thought about it that way of how nonstop it must've been for you mm -hmm. and the community development team, uh, or the whole team anyway because it is an annual franchise mm. because you'd get to a point where it's like it feels like it's been so non-stop that you, when you do stop you're like when was the last time I stopped it was before Br Brotherhood oh my god like and, <laughs> and then there's all these experiences you you flash into your head of like I, I haven't had a chance to reflect on all of those is that kind of what it's been like then Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, and even before Brotherhood, I worked on... I started at Ubisoft uh, and trained for a couple of months under Chris Easton um, on uh, Splinter Cell Conviction. Um, and it was really just like a couple of months, like I had two, maybe three months. And then I was immediately assigned uh, both Sean White Snowboarding uh, 2 uh, on Wii and James Cameron's Avatar the Game. So I was a, a rare in that I got two games to work at the same time. Mm. Um and those those were pretty short campaigns actually they really only ran like i don't know eight months or whatever and for those like the post launch was also very short because they didn't have much online component so uh immediately after that i got put on prince of persia the forgotten sands which was a really really short campaign it was only like six months i think from start to finish um and and so that was that went by really really fast and then moved on to brotherhood where it was game every year from yeah. then on so like my entire career at Ubisoft has been nothing but like hustling every day. <laughs> it's like it's really weird to be like in a. I feel I. It's it's funny now because I feel like I'm in a constant state of I'm not doing enough. Um, like I come into work and like will answer emails and stuff like that and like, 
I'll pause to watch a YouTube video and be like, should I be doing something else? Like, shouldn't I be like answering some email or scheduling something or doing some? Uh, no, that's not me anymore. No, I don't have to do that. I don't, there's plenty of other people that are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's cha- I mean, it's, it's a lot of changes in the last five years of Assassin's Creed. Uh, with the team growth and the multiple teams, I mean, yeah. and studios and stuff. Yeah. What's it been like to see that growth? And I mean, like you said, at the start of, at the, start of the podcast, you're talking about how people are like, how do we become as big as this or that? And now it's like, well, I don't know if you can get much bigger than Assassin's Creed, really, at the moment. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, for sure. And certainly team size, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, certainly. Those credits, ooh. The beginning of Revelations, though, when it introduces all of the people that worked on it, like the different studios, you think it's going to end, but then it's got one more. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. There's so many. There's so many. And that has been really, that's been really exciting to see, actually, because, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's really a testament to what can be accomplished when you have people working so closely together in, in such an organized fashion. I think that actually has been the thing that Ubisoft has really really like gotten the like game developers in general they've really gotten the game development act together in terms of like this multi-studio uh management thing and to watch that happen has been really really fascinating because um you know i see it every year between the teams and what they're what they're working on and how they're working and stuff like that and you could see when teams are like when they really gel and it becomes like super, super magical. Like I think my favorite example of that is uh, Black Flag, which had I think probably the one of the biggest teams and was really like a test bed to make sure that we could do it, right? Because I think for for Brotherhood, it really was just there were things that they wanted to do with AC2 they hadn't done, and they're like, what if we just kept the team together for another you know six months and like just tried to put together another game like could we possibly do it and it was funny because i think it, a lot of people even on the team were not sure like if that was possible right and there were a lot of people who were concerned about demonstrating that it was possible right like to be able to have a team that has already worked like its full like couple of years of development and then keep them around for another six months to just go whole hog on like another game um that sets like a dangerous precedent right like does that mean all the developers are going to have to do that now does that mean that that it's going to be expected that developers like can just make a game in six months um yeah yeah hey guys you want a holiday after that Mm, not a game it's nuts because like i always i always come back to saying like brotherhood was a better game than it had any right to be right like because it's so good and it should not have been that good by any like metric it's all down to the talent of that team that worked on ac2 that has gone on to work on you know most of the subsequent games as well because we swap in the core team a lot we'll like move out and that means like so that means like animation director um the the it director uh, or rather the tech tech lead um the creative director game director um all these different all these different like really really upper echelon people right like executive producer producer um they all swap out from game to game right but a lot of the like really like lower level like the average like 
junior level designer is probably going to work on every Assassin's Creed, right? Like they'll just yeah. move them onto the next one or whatever project they're going to work on. So, so like a lot of those people I see coming back every year, right? Um, and and like it's 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 all down to them that Brotherhood was so so amazing. So it was interesting though to see that 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 where it's like wow I can't believe they did that and then for AC4 where it's just like it's a completely different but even more monumental success that they accomplished um, in terms of organizing all of those disparate teams from around the world right like that was I, I and it's funny because I actually like we did a, a series of videos um, called the Black Flag Diaries I think that's what we called them is that what we called them uh, my Evan I think I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, and the first one is about a worldwide team, and so we talked for a minute with uh, Amre Lejury, um, who was the production manager uh, responsible for her entire job was making sure that all of the teams around the world were talking to each other and had everything that they need to succeed. She did a phenomenal job, and she was basically always at her desk. It was kind of crazy, like. No matter what time in the morning you came in, Amru was there. No matter what time you left, she was there. Like, she was telling me that she would be on the phone with Singapore at 3 o'clock in the morning, like, just talking them through whatever it was they needed talking through. Like, she's a phenomenal individual. Um, but, yeah, for sure, like, that, it, you know, that all those teams working together is, you know, uh, that, that's been the craziest thing for me to see, like, how how that has adapted Yeah, I'm... ensure every it's a it's it's like a it's like this crazy machine right yeah yeah Yeah. james and i talk about all the time how crazy is to think when you it's talked about how much you know because behind the scenes a game like assassin's creed 3 or black flag or or unity syndicate have been in development for years and then we play them and what some of them are great some of them not we're not as big fans of but we always go back to wait yeah sorry um and uh, but we always go back to wow. But Brotherhood was literally like a year, less than a year, and it's like my yeah. favorite one of the franchise. It's James's second favorite, I believe. It's insane. Next week, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nuts. It's so it's it's insanity. It's insanity. I can't even believe like that uh, that it's been so long, and yet that that one that that game still holds up so well. So yeah. we, we played it on a live stream like a year ago or something, and it was just like, man, I need to go back and play this again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so um, moving on from that, I was going to ask uh, where you'd like to see the AC franchise go in terms of like settings and stories and where you want to see the games go in the future. Oh, you guys are not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. You're not going to like this. Okay. So this is... And now I should mention that now I'm off the brand, so I have no say in what happens. Of course. Mm-hmm. This no, is your personal. I have no knowledge of what's coming up or anything like that. So sure take this yep. as just like my own personal musings <laughs> because because it's really true. Like when I look at uh, – I'm a huge Star Wars fan, um, which probably oh, yeah. shouldn't be that surprising. Um, <laughs> but I love this I, – I love the sprawling universe, right? Like that's – that's a thing that I, I really like. And I love all the stories that are in that. Um, and one of my favorite things that Star Wars does a lot is they go back and they tell a story from another perspective or from a lesser known character or they expand on uh, someone that you only saw for a minute or something like that. I know that. what you're going to say. I just realized what you're going to say. 
Um, oh, did you? I think so. so. I think I've got it. I think I've got it. So I, I, so my thing is, I would just like to see more of that with Assassin's Creed, right? Like, I would like mm-hmm. to see more of the filling out of history because so far it's been more or less chronological, like going moving forward to the future. And personally, I want to see, I want, I want more details about some of that stuff, like especially with, and this is, I mean, this is just a thing that I want for the community because I feel like I, it's a narr- it's a, it's like a, a narrative that I keep hearing it resurges every once in a while is people want uh, uh, some some closure on Connor's story and so I, I would like us to be able to do something like that where we can go back and give people like uh, just like a little sum up of what what happened to him because there's a lot of like things that I don't think um, we've ever really explained about him like how how we have his memories at all like did he must have had children like let's hear about those things like he must have had like uh, he he must have he must have been with a woman like who was that woman like can we know any details about that like there's a lot of things that i think that we can go back so I, and that's why i'm really grateful for like the chronicles uh trilogy um because i feel like that can go back I, one of my favorite dlcs is the one for revelations that's a uh, that's set in like that desmond's journey uh the lost archive yep mm-hmm. yeah um which is funny because like during like I, I wasn't I wasn't a super huge fan of the Desmond's journey section of uh, Revelations. No, um, and yeah, and I, I, I like working community. I definitely got that sense that it wasn't like one of the more popular parts of the game, um, which was really a shame because when we announced Lost Archive, it was all that. Right. And so I feel like a lot of people shied away from it. What's crazy about it, though, was that the narrative that lost archive operates on is probably i think what what the desmond's journey missions um could have incorporated more of right like well there's a lot of story in lost archives that i'm playing i'm like wait what this is in dlc Yeah. yeah 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 no for sure and it's crazy too because like just the concept of it like in terms of how the gameplay relates to what is being told to you and what you're supposed to be doing, right? Like, because you're, you're Desmond experiencing Clay's memories, like, all of a sudden this weird, like, out-of-body, like, not having a body and trying to move through the Animus just in a pure, like, information way, navigating it as though you were a physical being trapped inside a machine or whatever. Like, that, I felt like those things aligned really, really well. Um, and it's funny because it was just like a side thing, right? Like, I mean, DLC is not, especially at the time, DLC was not like a, a, a big a big deal. It wasn't considered crucial to your experience of playing the game at, by any stretch of the the reasoning. And and the the developers sort of knew that, I think. Like at, at the time, I remember like with game developers, you you know you had your your DLC and you knew it would come after the game and um, you know, you're. It, it's funny because I saw actually a, a quote from Ken Levine was saying like, "All right, game's done. Time to work on the DLC." And I mean, I don't know that uh, maybe that's how they they worked on it there, but that's certainly not how uh, uh, I think most game developers work on DLC. Like, of course, you start working on it before you're finished with the actual game because you know you you have to like assign people to do different things, right? And you have to like it doesn't make sense to like transition people off of a project and then onto nothing for months until 
they can work on something else. But so for sure, like the DLC that we work on is in production, like as the game is in production. Um, and, and like part of that is that like you, you just think of the DLC as like not needing to contain anything that's essential. Cause you don't know if anyone, everyone's going to buy it. And so you don't want to put like, especially with assassins, like it's so story driven, stuff like that. So it was like a really brave thing they did. I felt like Super it was, brave. you know, pr- predominantly driven by, uh, Jeffrey Ahalem at the time who wrote that DLC um, and it was I think it's funny because I really feel like for him it was I, I shouldn't I shouldn't put words in his mouth of course because that's that's crazy but I it did it did strike me as like a thing that he really cared about right yeah um, it, so it was like it was like mm-hmm. a thing that he wanted to do for people so they could finally understand this this story piece um, it was super super crucial and super super essential right like as to why what like what was Lucy's deal? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why is that? Why did that? Why did those? Why did those things have to happen? Because it, like, of course, it would never needed really to be explained to Desmond because that's kind of how. That's kind of like what makes Juno a huge asshole. But I'm sorry. <laughs> pardon, pardon, pardon my. Oh, uh, trust us. You can say whatever that's, you like. It's fine. But that's like that's part of what makes her a terrible person, right? Like a terrible creature, like a, this, a huge villain, is that she's not explaining anything that she's doing, and she's exerting all this power over Desmond, and like you know, being terrible to him at every single turn. Whereas even Minerva is kind of also like she's definitely using him. Like they're all using him. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course you could never have any explanation, but I think. We decided that wasn't quite enough, so we'll make a DLC that will make you know, we'll, we'll explain some of this stuff, and so that's why like I feel like there's a lot more of that we could do. We could there's a lot more in details that we could give you about the box, for example. Like then, especially since we have the novels and things like that. Like with uh, the AC Unity novel from Elise's perspective, I want to play that game. I want to play the the game where um, you know uh, Haytham from Forsaken. Where we get to play oh, some of the, his, like, yes. his more youthful like assassin missions and stuff like that. Like I, I want, I would love to play through those things. I mean, I've read them and I really enjoyed reading them, but some of them so very clearly call out to be games. I, I would love to play a game where, you know, the period of time where Ezio is in Revelations, he's in Istanbul, like doing all the stuff, and he's writing letters to Claudia. When you know we find out that the entire time she didn't get any of those letters because she's been off having her own adventures, and now we get to play a game where we get to see Claudia's adventures, where she goes out on her own to solve her own mysteries, like in Spain or something like that, and she meets the the man she falls in love with, and they go home and they have a really boring life together. But whatever. <laughs> like, but, but I want to. I would. I like. It's those little tiny things, yeah. right? Like, because especially since like lately I'm watching Rebels and um, you know we have Rogue One. Uh, yeah, Rogue One and like all these different little pieces that make the universe into like a full. They they, they fill out that universe. So it's a real place where actual events happen and stuff like that. Um, I feel like with Assassins we are continually making these new it's always a new assassin new thing and moving on into the next thing and then it's it's a when you always add to the snowball it eventually gets to be too big for you to deal with i feel like we can go back into the interior and uh and and focus a little bit on that that's that's what i'd like anyway yeah makes sense and i mean that was why i think revelations is such a special game too because i remember 
I mean, and it's bizarre to think of now because I, I mean, it's crazy reading the Secret Crusade before Revelations came out, um, Altair's mm-hmm. book, oh, and and dude, I know what you're gonna say, and just n- hearing all of the details of like that journey, and I'm like, holy crap! Like I didn't realize Altair was this amazing, or like, and all this story, <laughs> and then to have, and I'm like, I want to play a game with, with this, and then. Yeah. You get the game, like, it was, like, two months later, Revelations came out. But I was so stunned mm-hmm. because I was like, wait, did I just... Do I know everything that happens to Altair in Revelations? Obviously, there was the, <laughs> the last part. But, I mean, I was fine with it because there was more detail in the book and I could understand mm-hmm. all the characters' motivations, what happened to Malik, because I know his voice actor was playing Solomon, so you couldn't really put Malik in there now. Um, <laughs> and there was all those little things. Um, but... You, you know to hear all those all those stories and then at the end i mean i got goosebumps when i realized at the end it's Ezio reading the secret crusade oh that got me out. too i'm like oh goosebumps like that was awesome <laughs> so i i can see i can see what you mean to read another all those other books like forsaken and stuff and be like yeah i need a game i need i need something here because <laughs> there's so much For incredible sure. but do you want to I think I, I talked about it earlier, but is there a chance with all these characters and stuff, whether you go back to an old character like Connor or Edward or something like, because, I mean, something interesting in Syndicate that I was a bit curious about, I didn't realise, because I kind of thought Edward's story was nice and wrapped up in a nice little bow. And then mm-hmm. Evie and Henry talked about all the traveling he did, and I'm like, "Hang on, unwrap this box. Um, I need a, <laughs> I, I, I need to know what happened because Edward's one of my favorite characters." I, I was like, "Yeah, he did. He have his own revelations game where he went and, you know, on his own journeys and things like that." I just thought that would be super interesting, or even just get mm. in. Fu- is there a chance ever, whether it be old characters or new characters that we're yet to play with? Um, to get multiple games and it to be like, okay, let's um, not create another Ezio, but this is the next face of the brand, in in a sense? I think that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure if that was, that's what, uh, what the brand actually needs, right? Like, I mean, I think if we look at... Uh, so a lot of the comments that we get are people who... Uh, like long for the days uh when we had a present day that was playable right like they long for the day we get a lot of people asking us for a Mm -hmm. return to like desmond and stuff like that like bring desmond back Um, and i think like yeah yeah something like that or whatever right like um or the people who are like no but like just bring him back right like because clay lived in the animus for a time, sure. so maybe just bring Desmond out or whatever. Literally, and don't I mean, care how they retcon it, just do it. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. accept it. I'll accept whatever it is. He just shows up well, and saves the day. He yeah. can beam down from space. I don't care. <laughs> but I think, like, I, like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's what we need to do. But what, what's missing there is that like central thread that ties it all together. And I think that's kind of what you're asking for as well when you're asking for like revisiting a character over a period of several games right like um something something to create like an arc that we yeah. can in, in investment you know. at least you know what i mean yeah 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 because yeah i get that for sure it has definitely felt that. in some sense of like i'm like look these are great like they're cool characters but once i finish that's it like in terms of time investment, even though you had you changed from one and two that separate characters from Altair to Ezio, 
one, I mean, Altair had a huge effect on Ezio as a character. Huge. Like, it affected his whole journey. It taught Ezio yeah. a lot. Plus, you had Desmond there that linked them. And then you got to Revelations. That was the reason they all connected, all three characters. And so, either way, whether you've got multiple characters in a, in a game like or multiple games with the same character in the uh, you know ancestor story if that's the case or you have a modern day that goes over either way that gives a major reason to invest your time because you want to know what happens next whereas now it's it seems like it's it's selling because of the brand name not the brand story mm. if that makes sense yeah well i think uh, yeah i th- like so i think in that, and this is like a, a delicate subject, of, of course, course, for me yeah. yes. to, to discuss. But like, but yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like the narrative is one of the most, the strongest things about the Assassin's Creed brand, right? This the, the yeah. universe. Yep. Um, and you know, we we can we ignore that to our peril. Right, like if we, if there's ever a time when we think that the story isn't important or doesn't get as much attention as anything else, that's when we run into trouble, right? Um, and so I would say that, you know, from the discussions that I've had with Amar and Richard Faris, and of course like Darby um, is still around uh, in the background, uh, tweeting, tweeting away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We uh like they they're 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 all aware of that. They're all super super aware of that. And I think, you know, I don't envy their position at all in terms of trying to figure out how best to pull that back together and like try and forge, you know, like we were talking about earlier, basically forge the next Ezio, right? Like, it but like it's not even it doesn't even boil down to just that. You have to have Ezio with a Desmond, right? Because yeah. that, that's where I think that that narrative became so phenomenal. Because as you say, it's funny that you mention the 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 three characters coming together, right? Ezio, Desmond, and Altair in Revelations. Because I remember them like arguing over what the title was going to be so much, so much. Like Whoa. the original title was Final Episode was the code name that they were they were operating under Assassin's Creed Final Episode and then they changed it to they were going to have it be either Crossroads or Nexus I think were the other two Revelations is not cool, but Revelations <laughs> is the best Yeah that's <laughs> the best name um, and you you're right like it had everything and that was a selling point I kept hearing you know for the game was it's going to explain the link with all the characters. And I'm like, so this is the reason I've been playing all the games is because I get to this one and I'm like, and uh, and it was that moment. That's why Revelation is so special. And I, and Darby's writing is so, I'm such a big fan of is the way he, he connect all those characters and you get to the end. You're like, it all makes sense. You know why you couldn't relive Altair's memories because he had a kid up to that point so how do you see those memories well the only person who saw those memories and could send the message to Desmond would be Ezio he's the prophet he's the conduit his whole journey led to him being this person to get to this moment and then here you go Desmond on to the next and fulfill your destiny and then of course you move on to the Kenway saga but it didn't feel like maybe we had the the since then that Revelations-esque moment of this is why we did this. This is why we played yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was 
with the first four games, you had this massive payoff of Revelations, then they didn't continue it through to the Kenway Saga. It's kind of like it stopped there and they started again with the Kenway Saga, but then didn't have the same feel as what the Ezio trilogy in the first game and all of those linked together to have. And they kind of they kind of continued it somewhat, but it kind of fizzled away with like Unity and Rogue and then Syndicate. And I kind of feel like I want it back. Like I love that central story kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. And I mean, it's it's something that I mean I know I hear all the time. I mean we because we've got community questions for you very soon, and a lot of them I mean are just about modern day and asking about like you said a central <laughs> theme is you know can you tell us everything about what's going on right now or like you know there's some, <laughs> there's some funny questions in there and i mean it's definitely something that's on the community's mind is the modern day story and seeing where it goes and i mean some people are like let's just get rid of it and other people are like no i want it you know fully like playable and i mean it's it is tough to yeah. please everyone i mean it's not possible to please everyone but sure certainly well i i do i do remember like while we were while we were, and they, they kept it a secret from even us, like during the syndicate campaign. And while we were talking about it, I remember Marc Alexi Cote would was just got more and more, like was talking about it more and more in terms of how great the present day was going to be in syndicate. Man, what was, and that I was about? Like, wait, 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 wait. Well, and I think because the rift was fantastic, right? Like the the helix war, rift war, war, for war. syndicate was really cool. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, the, it was. The world yeah. war, right? world war like, one I mean, stuff, that, yeah. The World War One, yeah, that that solved it. That solved the uh, uh, that that responded to a, like some some questions that I think a lot of people had uh, about it. But my concern when he was talking about that was, okay, but we have to understand what what people are asking for here, right? Like, 100%. and so when you say like you we're, you're gonna you're gonna be blown away by the present day that we're gonna show you, like they're still thinking of present day in terms of what we had in present day for AC2 and Brotherhood and Revelations. They're thinking of present day from that perspective, right? Where it's playable, first of all. It's in the present day. And I think, like, AC3 is probably the one that, um, which is weird because, like, you could definitely, like, you could play Desmond with the most abilities, I think, in AC3, right? And I really, really enjoyed uh, the parachuting uh, scene, but I was also yeah. really disappointed with Daniel um, because he just wasn't the villain that I felt like, you know. And yeah. and I I hear that a bunch from people saying like, oh, what happened to Daniel? Was Daniel supposed to be like the best, the best uh, Templar in the business? And it's I mean, at the end, of, yeah. And at the end of the day, I think part of that too is a, a misunderstanding of what a wreck Daniel is at that point. Yeah, because like, he's he's mm-hmm. like he's really really affected by the bleeding effect, and so I mean it. it it makes sense, but we could have done a better job, I think, in describing that scenario in general. And I think and it was so okay with the whole Daniel, because, you know, Daniel's also uh, got, being a Templar who's on a mission, he can't kill Desmond. So there was at least that sense of he can't really unleash his badassness fully because he's got to be controlled because he is controlled by Abstergo. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. But yeah, so then when I look at like um, what we're do, what we've been doing, like, and I, I, I was really like looking forward to Black Flag, um, with the present day that we had there, and the idea that we we're gonna shift to this now. You being uh, a part of the present day thing, um, 
and and I, I I liked that, and I thought it worked pretty well in Rogue also. Um, but it, it doesn't like that sort of thing. We need to have a, a, like an initiates component for that to be able to like really really work well. I think so. So yeah, I mean, and with that with that site basically um, shut down more or less. Like they 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 were they discontinued initiates. Um, I think they're like I, like I said, I don't. I do not envy uh, Richard on trying to figure out what to do there next. I do know that it's a it's something that they are very very focused on um, for the future, right? Like they they acknowledge the fact that this is yeah a primary a primary thing for mm-hmm. for for the community anyway. Um, as to what they're going to do about it, I, I honestly couldn't say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's funny that to hear that even it's a secret from you guys a lot of the time. It's pretty pretty funny <laughs> to hear. I'm like, oh wow, okay, yeah, geez. Uh, I did. I mean, I know because obviously I understand. There's certain questions you cannot answer. You may not know the answers to, but even if you did, you'd you'd have to tell me either no, <laughs> sorry, or you know, of course that's fine. But I've still, I'm still gonna ask the question about in syndicate. Sure. Uh, even if it's just a response of sorry, can't talk about it. Uh, the well, whether it be Desmond's son, Desmond's not son, that whole sage, ten-year-old boy sage that shows up, is is there any possibility that at least that's not the last time it's addressed in the future? Um. So I really want to answer that question. <laughs> 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 I'd really like to answer that question, but I'm sure that they that I would people would be mad at me about it. Of course, that yeah. actually, that you can lose your job for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, you know, take one for the team. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, I uh, more or less expected that, but I hope, I, yeah, something I certainly hope is uh, not not forgotten because that was very interesting to to hear about. Uh, yeah. And overall, I did uh, we want to ask as well with how because we've talked about throughout the podcast you know how what assassin's creeds come from how it's grown into this huge community and how the teams have grown but also the community's grown so much and i i want to ask like what has it meant for you to see the community grow like it has and to see all this appreciation as well from the community um with you quote unquote moving on from from the franchise itself to be to be one hundred percent honest is super unexpected. I mean, I like I always figured that it was that the games were just really good, right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing that I necessarily did that had any impact. Like, which is sort of, I mean, <laughs> I, I I say that, but like it's 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 sort of like it had that like that realization has an impact on uh, my job beyond just me doing my job right like when i think about what i had perceived the impact of community to be on like a game or something like that i realize that my feelings about it have changed a lot as well right like and and so you know there is a reason i took this job to begin with um from from when I was a, a game journalist and decided that I wanted to work on community stuff, and there were a lot of things that I had to define for myself, like from the beginning, um, you know, like 
when I first got the job, it was described to me that it would be a marketing position. Um, and so from my perspective as a, a, an entertainment writer, as a game journalist, I didn't was, wasn't a huge fan of marketing. And even just personally, never really felt like that was a, a thing that like I would want to do for a living or, you know, would had much respect for the people who did it because I didn't really know very much about it. Right. Like, yeah. uh, so, so there were some like promises that I had to make to myself in order to be able to do the job at all. Right. Like, um, and some like philosophies that I had to nail down for myself, like just in terms of what marketing is, um, because uh, like I, I look at marketing now more as putting people with products, right? So you don't, all you're really doing is telling people about a thing that exists and like maybe they want it, maybe they don't want it, maybe they need it, maybe they don't need it. Your job is just to highlight for them what it is and they can decide for themselves whether or not they want it. And so part of the reason for that, I think working for me is that in community is super important. Like you're not, you couldn't be a snake oil salesman, right? And like, just go and tell people like, yeah, this game is the best game you'll ever play. Do you like shooters? It'll be your favorite shooter. It's your favorite, Assassin's Creed is your favorite shooter ever. So it's so good, <laughs> you're gonna love it. And maybe that'll work. Maybe you're convincing enough to be able to convince that person that they should buy Assassin's Creed because it's gonna be the best shooter ever. But that like, like that's, and that's, that's like, I, but, but I, that's not my job. Right, like yeah. it's definitely not my job to do that because I'm gonna have to be there when that person realizes that it's not a shooter at all, and I'm gonna be the one. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna be the one that has to say that they come to and be like, "Wait, what are you doing? This is not. Why did you tell me this was a shooter?" And I have to say like, "Oh, I just wanted to sell you a game, and and they're never gonna buy any more of our games." Yeah. So like, I have no interest in trying to hide anything or anything like that and so when i look at assassin's creed building up over time i have often wondered what my what my participation in that has meant if anything at all right and uh, from the perspective of being able to do my job um i i feel like part of the reason that I'm able to be in videos and things like that and like I don't get like a bunch of hateful comments and things is one that like I'm a white dude basically um, that makes it a lot easier to be on YouTube to be totally totally honest yeah, and that that sucks point. I will go on record as saying that sucks but I do want to just take a quick second to acknowledge my privilege in this matter while we're talking about it <laughs> uh, but, but apart from that I also think that one of the things is that I'm, I try to be really really humble because I don't feel like arrogance is going to get me anywhere it certainly works for some folks but like for me it's not going to it's not going to work um so so looking at it from that perspective of always trying to be humble and always trying to be very earnest and honest in like my delivery of what we're doing and what the game is about and things like that i never really expected it to a have much impact or b be especially successful um which sounds weird because okay so this is what i'm going to do at work i'm going to not be effective or successful (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah so to see to get that video back it's like it's uh, you know it's like a a validation of the things i have been trying to do it's uh you know it 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 means that now i have like a thing that says no 
I, you know, the game was hugely successful. Of course it was. It's a fantastic game. And we spent a lot of money on marketing. And we did a lot of things right in that arena. But one of the things that we definitely did right was the way we manage our community. And I know that because I have this great video and, like, all these people that tell me what a great job we've done managing our community. And I don't have to, like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't have to try and defend it anymore. Um, which is which is just hugely freeing, liberating. It's such a gift. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't think of it in that sense either. As well, of like, in some point, especially with marketing, like you've said, is a lot of you've got to convince people of things, and especially in your own job, I'd imagine you've got to be able to tell the higher ups of like, look, this is why we're doing it. I'm, this is a good job, and they're like, yeah, but this can we do better? But then when you got that, it is that validation of of work you've done and everything so that's yeah uh, yeah it's it's huge it's huge it's so it's so good for me honestly like i can't even uh yeah i can't really even express it because yeah it's exactly as you say the number of times that i have had to argue with people like that are demanding the roi for you know have inviting fans to like a meetup or something or engaging with a person on twitter who doesn't have very many followers or i mean you get all the like usual things anytime you want to spend money on something people want to know what they're going to get for it and it's been a real struggle with community to be able to demonstrate very very concretely in the same way that all of the other uh departments right like PR has a very clear way that they're able to show what they got for their money. They get, you know, they they hold an event which they spend money on and they invite people to that event to write articles and the thing that they do is they have they provide them with the content and then they either get articles that are written, you know, either good or bad and that's the thing that I think people don't really factor into that is in that assessment is that it's PR's job to get the articles written, right? They they want to invite those people there and so that they can they can write an article or send them game code or do whatever they can. They want to facilitate the press in their ability to be able to write articles. That, that's a very measurable thing, right? Uh, digital marketing, for example, like are going to have, uh, you know, a Facebook post that, you know, has so many likes or interactions or whatever. You know, if you have some sort of like shopper marketing or whatever, they're going to like do a pre-order thing and you're going to be able to count how many pre-orders you got for the money that you spent. It's a very, very clear we yeah. spent this amount of money. We got this amount of stuff. For community, that's always really, really difficult to measure, because you never know. You don't know. Like, how do you measure the difference you made in a person's life, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Over what yeah. you've, you, you can't, you can't really do it. And it's not. And a lot of it is like not. It doesn't matter how much you spent, right? It's just being there at the right time to be there for another human being that's going to ask you a question maybe they are having trouble in their life or something like that and this is the part that gets really like touchy-feely and like emotional or whatever but like you know that having been there and watched that happen not even just with myself but with other community managers when somebody needs help and you're there to help them there's a huge amount of like power in that and none of it has anything to do with product or money yeah right well wow, yeah so so yeah i mean it like the being able to see what the community is like now and especially like the way a lot of the philosophies that i you know stumbled upon in working on 
uh, brotherhood, like trying to demonstrate that like best, those best qualities that we want to see in our community. Things are like being welcoming, like not gatekeeping through knowledge and like, but instead sharing your knowledge. And that's how you can achieve status, right? Like you have status because you know a lot about Assassin's Creed. That's great. The way that you demonstrate that is not by saying like, oh, you're a noob and you'll never be what I am in this community like you don't know nearly as much as I do and you'll never do that's not the way to do it the way to do it is look I hear well have you heard about this I'm happy to explain to you what pieces of Eden are like well were you ever aware about that Altair was the first one that created this particular move like the ledge grab like he was the one that innovated that for the assassins like all those different things it's like looking back on the work that I did I never really took a lot of time to examine it and now that I'm looking back on it and I have you know these messages being asked to be on this podcast is a huge honor for me for example right because I mean what you guys have a podcast called Kill Connor Club it's like all about Assassin's Creed and stuff that's that's fantastic that's phenomenal (laughs) I never could have guessed that anyone would do this right and you're not the only one either that's the thing is it like there's there's like I could think of two other Assassin's Creed podcasts that are also running um and i will out of respect for you guys not plug them necessarily right now <laughs> oh no that's all right we've we, but yeah <laughs> i assume you're talking about that. aftermath got, was just on yeah yeah, so. and, we got, yeah. and we've had Luma on as well so we nice. no, we, nice. we we love all those guys like and that's what i think is different about the assassin's creed community other communities i can involve myself with the things i'm into from um, from other games movies sport anything that's online i think the assassin's creed community is so special because there's no i don't feel like there's competition like even though like in terms of youtubers and stuff you know there's numbers and you want to get subscribers you want to get views or anything but For like sure. i mean in reality and if you think of it that way james and i should be competitors but we're not like he's my good friend um that i've got to meet through it all and we're and there's other podcasts sure that i guess technically we should be competing with but we're not because they've been on our podcast we've been on their podcast like we like them all and it's it's all super respectful and like you said it's a sharing of information i feel like that's what's so special about this community because everyone is for the most part super nice to each other and respectful and helpful and they want to share that sort of knowledge with each other so it's really cool and it's really cool yeah i i agree I agree. <laughs> I agree also. I think you basically said everything I was like, thinking at that point. So <laughs> Sorry, James. My bad, bro. <laughs> Thanks for that, Tyler. Uh, oh. So I, there is, with our podcast, Gabe, there is a couple of segments we do. Before we get into the community questions, there's a couple of little fun things you wanted to get you to join us with. Um, one, I, I spend a lot of time trolling the internet for crazy weird videos. And... Uh, we've somehow started to like react i guess to now that we can legally react thanks fine bros um to uh <laughs> videos on the internet um uh, it's almost like let's go out of our way to do that on the podcast um and one of them was you've probably seen it it was like the assassin's creed showdown where all the one guy tries to leap of faith off a roof and then all the guys are arguing over who's the best assassin and they end up fighting to the death in those assassin outfits have you seen that I don't think I have, actually. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll, I'll send that to you later, because that's amazing. Um, and we've just somehow become a thing of, like, we... Last episode with Aftermath, we watched a, a tiger attack. <laughs> that was a great one. Just, it's just insanity. <laughs> like... 
and I've got I've got a couple of choices, but one I'll give you the choices. I'll just read you the title and nothing else, and you guys can decide what you want. So we've got okay. that's not a catfish on the end of the line. Guy gets dumped on national TV. Or very close call, almost struck by lightning, must see. I kind of like the sound of the first one. What do you think? Yeah, Dan? wait, what was the first one? That is, not, that is not a catfish on the end of the line. <laughs> I think I have to see that one. <laughs> that has the most clickbaity title for sure. It does have a clickbaity title, okay. It's, um... <laughs> Okay, I'll I'll put that in the in the in the Skype chat. So pretty much, I'll, we tee up the videos and then I'll do a countdown and then we can all watch and and quote unquote react legally at the same time. All right, sounds good. I'll okay. go ahead and load it up. All right, I got. Oh, it's got an ad. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, ad play. And pretty much. To pretty much set the scene for audio listeners, so if you if audio listeners on iTunes or SoundCloud want to watch the video with us, just look up on YouTube. That is not a catfish on the end of the line. It is a one minute six second video. I can't recall the thumbnail, but it's pretty much a guy on a boat. Mm. Yeah, that's what it looks like so far. <laughs> okay, we are, have you got it teed up, James? Yep, I'm ready. Ready to go, Gabe? Yes, I am. Okay, Th- three, two, one. Go. So it's pretty much a guy on a boat, and he looks like he's going to check his lines to see if he's caught anything that he's left floating. Oh wow! Definitely something there. Okay. There's his son in the back. It's a pa- oh it's a god. paddle boat. He's- oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Paddle, paddle, paddle as fast as you can. <laughs> Oh my god. Jesus. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Don't stop, you're not safe. <laughs> they swim oh so fast. Keep going. Slow motion reaction. Wait for it. Look how big it is. It's a, just an alligator. Oh my oh, god. I, oh my Jesus god. Christ. Wow. That is terrifying. That's so enormous. <laughs> oh my god, that is right, Bobby. Oh. <laughs> yeah it's like hey man stop laughing about it get out of the water leave (laughs) (laughs) leisurely paddling away it's like do you have any idea how fast alligators can swim (laughs) (laughs) swim so fast and it's bigger than your boat man man. wow Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, I'm in Australia, and we have lots of crocodiles, and they're so big, and it's like, when you know there's a crocodile around, you you get out. You, you're like, yeah, that's it. I'm good. You yeah, get yeah. out of the water. Leisurely paddling away. Well, I'll tell you what. It certainly was not a catfish at the end of the line. No. Sure? I can, quite, I can tell. <laughs> that could be the scariest thing. And he's got his son on the back, too, and he's just like, get... <laughs> How quickly Jeez. he threw that thing back into the water is insane. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's ridiculous. That's that's actually scary. I'd seen it already. I watched it last night, but it still scared the shit out of me. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Well, yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> it starts out so leisurely and, like, relaxing. It's like, oh, we're just here in the bayou. 
and you, when it says it's not a catfish, like I was like, oh, do they find like some buried treasure? Like what? What's at the end of the line? Like is it just something stupid? And I'm like, oh yep, few things happening right now. No, nope, get out of there. <laughs> Time to get out of there. Oh god. Jesus. Yeah, the guy getting dumped is pretty average, I think. Yeah, the pretty guy average. getting dumped is essentially him like hugging up to a girl. And she just looks uncomfortable and says something to him. And then he just, like, starts crying. Because there's no audio to it. It's like in a football game. Oh. And it's like in the audience. It's ridiculous. It's, I mean, if you, if you like, <laughs> if you like laughing at someone, maybe that's the video for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we picked the right one. I think we, I think the we did. The, the lightning strike one's pretty freaky. But yeah, I, I do agree. I think we picked the right one. Good choice, guys. Um, yeah. <clears throat> we also have another segment, Gabe. Which is, we do top fives mm. in each episode, where mm. I'll bring a topic, mostly Assassin's Creed related, and uh, from last episode we did with Aftermath, we did our top five uh, Assassin's Creed Assassin robes, uh, and we just pretty much discuss, in no particular order, because it is off the cuff, it's hard to like, this is my number one, two, five, but at least in, in some sort of, here's the five that come to mind, my five favourite, and... This one's a bit more complicated, I guess, because it's mm. um, top five Assassin's Creed mysteries and or conspiracies, and that can be ones that are still going, or at least had you the most hyped as they were going on. I mean, we talked about the Whoa. box before. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, that's, I what I'm like, that's what I said with Aftermath. Every time Tyler announces one of the top fives, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Um... So I've got... I'll, I'll do an example list, I guess, because that's what Aftermath said. Because we usually let guests go first, but Aftermath told us. He's like, maybe I should hear an example first. I'm like, yeah, it's probably a good idea. Because mm. uh, what, what it, Aftermath goes, his number one was Connor's robes. And James just goes, well, that's a shit list. <laughs> just to mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like... He wasn't oh. aware of the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, I guess mine would be, it'd have to be, uh, one of the top ones is, who were the first civilization? Uh, especially after Assassin's Creed 2, I was just, because I did, when you play Assassin's Creed 2, you think the game is just about an assassin, there's a modern storyline, and sure, there's these magical pieces of Eden that are mysterious, but I don't think I'd ask the question while playing the game of who created those pieces of Eden. So, when... Mm the end of AC2 happens, I'm just, like, literally jaw-dropped. I'm like, I, I ha honestly have no idea what I just was. Like, I don't know what's happening right now. And it was... The, it had me so hyped for the next time. I'm like, I need to know. I need, and I had to play the game again just to see the ending and try to figure it out and stuff. So that was a huge one of who they are. Uh, another one mm. being, I think it would have to be Lucy and uh, why did we kill her. Um, spoiler alert, if you haven't played the six-year-old game. <laughs> nice job. You know, you know they put the spoiler alert on the other side of the, the spoiler. Yeah, but... man, it's all good, yeah? It's all right. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, that, that was a major one, because I was, like, mind-blown. Like, wait, I thought she was a good guy. What? Are we, is she a double-double-double agent? Like, what's going on? Um, uh, the box is probably my number one. It'd have to be, because it's, you know, again, my wall got the it's just uh, everywhere um it's an insane asylum right now in my place um just trying to figure <laughs> this out and that box is yeah jeez yeah kept me up at night uh and two more two more two more i think whew, 
Ooh. Man, this is tough. There's so many. I'm gonna I know. <laughs> I'm like actually trying to take notes on like what mine would be. Yeah. While I'm trying to listen to you, and both of the things are not working out very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like ah, I need like a week to go and sort them all out. It's tough. <laughs> um, another one is subject sixteen. He was such a massive uh, uh, mystery for so long, and even now, it's it's not still all explained. There's still quest. Certainly, there's still questions of like about him and things he said. I know that Brotherhood truth still keeps. Well, there's another thing that keeps keeps Assassin's Creed fans up at night. The whole Eve situation, which I guess would also be on the list of who is Eve, what's her relation to the story going forward. You know, what's the the Kia DNA? You've got the Dead Kings DLC, the Lady Eve mentioned. Like, there's all these Eve factors and DNA lines, and with sages being able to go back further. Like, is it possible to relive her memories? Or there's just all these questions on Eve as well. So those would be mm. my five being like from Lucy's death, who the first Civ are, Subject 16, The Box and Eve are probably my five that come to mind when it's like that are still going or have been answered but were huge at the time. That's probably mine. Do you have one, James? Do you have your own okay. ideas? Um, yeah, actually, I do. Let's. I've got some weird ones, some really obscure ones that are like you wouldn't really think of. So I've got to include, like, the main one's got to include Subject 16, which is a huge one. Um, then we've got, let me think of, uh, ooh, um, uh, Desmond's Son, I think is one, ooh, but that whatever is one. it is, yeah. whatever mm. it is oh, in that. Syndicate. Um, and then another one, which I talk about all the time, and it's, like, one of them ones that kept me and Joe wondering a lot we're like what is this shit about oh was yeah i know you're that say. bit in brotherhood right yeah. when lucy and desmond are under montero journey and they go to go up this staircase like it's an optional thing you can go straight past it but if you go up here desmond's like oh i thought this door would lead somewhere and lucy's like but it doesn't and desmond's like life's full of disappointments then you carry on with the game and i'm like what the hell did that mean like why was that put in the game? And that kept me up at night for years. I'm like, what is that about? And I seem to be the only one who fucking noticed it. No one else did. You know, and it, no one could talk to me about it. Oh. You know, it wasn't until I did my f the first Kill Connor Club, or technically first episode, with you and Joe, and you guys mentioned that, and I'm like, I've never... I've played Brotherhood 13 times through. I've never once done that and then I went back and did it on my 14th run and I saw it and I was like oh never once did that never once saw that that was a thing in the game <laughs> yeah it's a weird one it's a weird one I thought you were going a completely different way with that I well, thought you were going to ask about the red footsteps oh that outside. one that one I think we know about that's going to yeah. do with Lucy right well so yeah I mean I don't know there's been a few different so the idea is that it was just left in like, they, they needed a way to show people where to go once they left that building. Yeah. And so they left it in as being red. And I think it was uh, Falco, the game designer who worked on that level, was like, you know, it was just supposed to be, like, it was it was a bummer that we made them red because they should have just been white. Like, cause it, like people thought it was like a, like a telegraphing that Lucy was a Templar or whatever, like that, you know, she wasn't... She wasn't a good person or something like, but really it was just so that you would know where to go once you left the building or knew knew how to that you should go into the building. I, is it? 
So yeah, that that was it. That was the entirety of it. Although if you ask is yeah, if you ask Jeffrey O'Hallam, he says that there's a reason behind it. Hmm. That there, it was it had something to do with something, and I forget what exactly it was. I'm not sure if he actually ever told me because they're they're canny like that. The developers, when you go and ask them a question, sometimes they're like, "Oh well." <laughs> Here's the box open. Oh, there's nothing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I oh, think God. I think it would have been cool. I mean, now that you've mentioned. I mean, you could have foreshadowed the whole loose situation, right? If you had all of them wide except one footsteps. Because if you're playing, you're like, you wouldn't have just assume Lucy first until you finish the game, right? So you could go like, mm. oh shit, which one? Who is it? Yeah, that would have. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, there's a whole thing you could have, we could have done where we messed with your heads as to which one was it, Lucy or was it Rebecca or was it Sean? But wasn't there that bit when you can when you see the footsteps? Can't you follow them? And doesn't it lead to Lucy standing outside, like clearing her head? She's like, oh, I just had to get out of there. I need to clear my head and stuff. But there's multiple yeah, sets of footsteps, yeah. Whoa, wait, what? No, there's not. Is, is there? it just one footstep? No, I don't. I thought no, it was I like the whole to... group. Yeah, I thought I thought like you can when you go out. I, I'm sure I remember this being a cutscene. I might have dreamt it, but I remember you go out and you follow the footsteps, and when you follow them, you can find Lucy, and she like you can have a quick little cutscene with her, and she's like, "Oh, I just had to get out and clear my head and stuff." It's like, "Oh, Abstergo can find us." And it's like, "Look, they'll never find us out here. We've got a while." Yeah, to sort, of, okay. sort of things out. I Not think exactly. that might have happened. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah that's a cutscene. Yeah, I thought so. I just feel like we're. I just need to know we're doing the right thing. Yeah, it's all that. Yeah, it's all going on. <laughs> I guess that's totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. And have you got a fifth one, James? Is that is that how many is that? Uh, no, I did like three. I think. Oh, um, three. Okay. Oh, yeah, so it's like so sixteen. Uh, so sixteen. Uh, that that really random door. Um, what, what was my Desmond other one? Sun. Sub, oh, Desmond Sun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then oh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. There's a couple of things. Like, but oh, I know one that's really cool. Um, it kind of is explained, but I think it's a really cool thing that one include is in Assassin's Creed One, right at the beginning when Masiaf is like overrun by the Templars and stuff, and like someone's opened the gates to let him in. You know, there's an accomplice for the guy that Amwalim kills when you take him to him after doing your investigations, becoming like an assassin after being a novice. When you leave Masiaf and you go out to the kingdom, there's a bunch of assassins standing around near the Masiaf uh, bit that would load from the kingdom to Masiaf, and if you use Eagle Vision one of the assassins is like red instead of blue like being an ally and everyone's like oh that's the guy that that's the guy that helped the guy let the templars in because you never find out who it is you just know it was one of the assassins that helped him but that you never find out who it is yeah and that's just a cool little thing that i thought was really cool that was in there whoa i kill that guy every time <laughs> i start the game and I do yeah so do I. I kill him every single time <laughs> <laughs> and then they all come after me and i'm like i don't have any skills yet guys quit it guys he's the bad guy not me you're serving justice. Uh, no, one more. I have one more. Hmm. Okay, I've got one. Um, like the uh, uh okay. There's a bunch. There's little things like the subject sixteen Desmond end of eighty three end of Revelations combination thing is at the end of Revelations when Clay saves Desmond. Um, he like grabs hold of him and like this like blue light goes around Desmond and Clay, and then um he like like I'm saving you, idiot. Go. When Desmond wakes up from his coma his arm does a little blue glowy thing and then the all of ac3 happens and then midway through ac3 um desmond says something like um uh something like uh I, like it just keeps happening over and over again which is like some weird stuff and then william's like don't get weird on me desmond desmond's like sorry and just kind of forgets about it and people think it's all connected like subject 16 gave desmond information so he knows stuff 
um, kind of and, and people like for a little while after AC3 thought, oh, Soviet 16 saved his life. Like Desmond didn't actually die, but um, I mean he never came back, and I don't think they have plans to. But it's 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 a cool little theory that people put together because it all kind of links really really well. And I think that's a huge conspiracy that's never been answered that people have whipped together themselves. Or mm. or even the the theory James and I have talked about a lot is the fact that and I mean it is a bit of a ridiculous theory, but it's more. Of oh, just this theory, fun. yes, um, yes. I, I would like to bring it to your attention Gabe just for because it is just a crazy insanity theory um I've done a video (laughs) on it and it's that Desmond is subject 16 and not like literally but uh in the Brotherhood Truth segment there's ways you can kind of understand from what's happened now um what is being said to Desmond isn't subject 16 but it's Desmond from the future if that makes if I get this already mm. insanity because he says things like she's not who you think she is sure you can just assume it's um, Lucy could also mean mm-hmm. Juno could also be talking about Juno um, then mm-hmm. he does the whole now that we know about this uh, potentially Desmond's son situation you have he goes your the son your son so that's two things related because one he has a son and two the son's going to destroy the world uh, says so, and when he goes the I mean the first thing he says creeps me out because when you think of it that way. Uh, Desmond goes 16 and the way he responds isn't like yeah I'm subject 16 he just goes yes haha subject 17 I'm like what that's super creepy the way he said that like (laughs) is he saying yes like he misheard him and he goes yes subject 17 like yeah I am subject 17 like super confused and the fact that when Desmond died he touches the eye which is what the first civilization used to communicate through time as it is um so that's that possibility i guess you've got the whole eve situation which is something that hasn't been answered yet so it's like why would it relate to subject 16 trying to tell desmond if it doesn't actually relate to anything desmond needs to do it could have something to do with what desmond knows about in the future that hasn't potentially hasn't happened yet and there's all there's that that's uh, a thing that i've done james i've talked about in the podcast and videos have been made for and things people are like that's insane that sounds nuts. It is nuts. It <laughs> but, certainly but is. But really nuts. cool, though. But really cool. It makes perfect sense that, like, we're... Yeah, I don't know. That, that That's really mind-bending. Like, I, the idea that, like, that could potentially be, like, some sort of, like, weird Desmond, like, echo or something yeah. from the future that exists in the Animus because Desmond continues to exist in the Animus. Like, I think for sure that's... Creepy. That's... Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a weird thing because me and Tyler both thought of it separately as well and then we came together like Tyler said I've got this crazy theory about the brotherhood truth and I was like I know what you're gonna say and it was so weird because we didn't like it's not like I sparked the idea or he sparked the idea we both thought of it separately it was so weird that's nuts wow good job you guys that's crazy that's why we do what we do (laughs) I I I don't I don't uh, have anything to like I don't have any sort of like uh what is it like light to shine on that necessarily but i think it's it's a fantastic idea like yeah. I, I will, i'm definitely going to go back to these to the guys on monday and be like oh hey did you know what they came up with do you want me to, I'll, I'll link you the video just if you, yeah absolutely absolutely I'll, I'll just put it in the chat now um yeah because i mean I, I i mean i'd understand i didn't sit there when i made it thinking this was a planned thing but i'm like i mean so much is unanswered they could potentially use it though and and make yeah. that that it was the thing if that makes sense um but it's, it's <laughs> insanity and i think everyone's comments on the video was because i expected to get a lot of hate for it like people like you're crazy 
go to rehab, man. Let like stay off drugs um, and things like that. <laughs> but it was all just like this is insane. This is the insanity Assassin's Creed um, would would do and stuff like that. Like this is amazing. So I mean, people seem to really like the idea. It's pretty cool to see stuff like that. Um, but to your list, Gabe, uh, do you have um, some of the uh, ideas yes. for your favorite mysteries or conspiracies in uh, in Assassin's Creed? Okay, so my favorites, um, the box I'll just get out of the way because that's that's one of my favorites, just because it's the most recent one I think, and so many people have been talking about it. Um, but I would say also Adam and Eve, like we get that little video at the end, but I want to know more about them. Like apparently they're like supposed to be the people who uh, began the revolution against those who came before, and mm-hmm. so I just want to know more about what happened there, like. Because that, in and of itself, I think is a really strange uh, story. Um, I would say also the pieces of Eden. Like, are there any others? Like, where and, and what do they do? Like, mm. of all the, so so far, we've seen like a certain number of pieces of Eden, and they do very specific things. And I just wonder like what else they could do, um, especially since they all seem to be sort of like they all seem to be in this sort of like vein of like managing the human slave population (laughs) to some degree or another like you have so you have the you have the like the the apple of eden that like helps you control them and their brains and stuff and and stop uprisings if you need to and then you have like the shroud in case like one of them gets hurt or you just need to like take care of them really quick and uh so i just want to know what uh, what other things could there be that they would have um I would say also, uh, like the temples that Ooh, house yeah. the pieces of Eden. Oh yeah. Like how many others are there? Like, cause we see the one. So this is a thing too that like threw me like threw me into like a complete misunderstanding of like how the universe works. Right? Like, is it is it in Rogue? They go to find one, and uh, Shay tries Shay tries to grab it, and it crumbles into nothingness, and then there's a huge earthquake. Like so, spoilers for those of you who haven't played Rogue. This is the thing that um, <laughs> once again, wrong side of that. Uh, alert on the wrong side of that. But yeah, so I'm just like, so like, wait, what? What was going on there, and what was supposed to happen when you go into that temple? Like, yeah, that's how true. is there? Like, could Shay have approached that in a different way that wouldn't have like resulted in that piece of Eden being destroyed or the city above being destroyed or like is that or or was that all it was doing holding the earth is all that, yeah right like it like, what a weird thing for that piece of Eden to do because it doesn't look like any other piece of Eden I'd ever seen before right like it's a weird yeah. like star shape and like mm. so it's just like what what like is there a way that he could have made it out of that temple with that piece of Eden because I mean I sort of feel like yeah for sure right because so many of the temples and just the idea of temples in general when you have like the if you look at like indiana jones or something like that like they all have booby traps that feels like like a profound booby trap so what was it supposed to do if he had fulfilled all the like necessary steps that he'd had to in order to leave with that piece of eden what would it have done i don't know yeah Mm. that's a good one and then the last one i have the last one i have is Who's the guy next to Ezio on the bench? Oh my god! Oh, oh my no. god! <laughs> you know. Oh, you've done it! Oh, you've <laughs> that done it, Gabe! Destroys me! <laughs> oh god! 
I'd almost forgotten. <laughs> and now with the nightmares are back. I intentionally held that one till the end because I thought it might be <laughs> You thought it might do that to us. Oh. No. <laughs> so I'd suppress that memory. I'd unsynced. <laughs> See, in my life, mine would be really boring to live in the Animus because my suppressed memories would be like this. It would be like... A video game mystery. <laughs> you get enough sync with Tyler and you get to find out what the, the character on the bench with Ezio is or, like, what happened to the box. <laughs> For sure. Oh, that, that is a... Mm, Darby. Yeah, Darby. <laughs> oh, God. He's never going to answer that. Ever. Yeah. No, he's not. No, he's not. Oh, that's what I love about Darby, though. I don't want him to answer it. Yeah, I'll just I, keep messing with us. I agree because I like his his trolling. It's it's un, it's unprecedented. Um, but is is did he ever say that there he had an idea or does he just like enough? There you go, mic drop, walk off. <laughs> is that all? Like, honestly, if I share any of the interaction that I've had with him over that guy, it would be it would be too much. He'd he'd be yeah, furious with fair, me. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I mean, I guess that's the beauty of it, right? Is it's, it's whoever you want it to be. It can be a guy, a Templar, that's killing him. It can be a person that doesn't exist. It's just death. Or it can just be a, yeah. a dickhead a Roman dude. <laughs> just some knobhead. Just there. <laughs> just getting on the bench. He's like, just complaining to Ezio about his life. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, some, just some knobhead. <laughs> Ezio just happens to die at the Spoiler alert. Happens to die at the same time the guy sits on the bench with him. And that was it. Uh, what do Gabe how do you see it like what in your world how do you look at that that character just in in your own how you've pieced the story together for yourself oh gosh um or does it change I think he's just a, yeah no I think he's just a jerk I think that's like Ezio's last thing is he gets to tell this whippersnapper that he's just that it's the problem's not Florence yeah. <laughs> you. That's why you're not getting along with any of the women or anything like that. Um, He's almost like an opposite yeah, Ezio, I, right? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's very, like, negative about everything. So I like the fact that Ezio gets to, like, share a little bit of his, like, a little of his wisdom in, like, maybe a little snarky way that <laughs> is yeah. it's... fitting for Ezio. But I definitely just feel like that moment, to me, is just... You know, Ezio has lived a very long life, and in that moment when he's looking at his family, he's never going to get any happier, so that's the best time for him to go. Yeah, I think, I was going to say, it's strange, because I think at the end, the guy does say something in Italian to Ezio, and I think it, it's something like, is it in Italian, or is it in English, something, but I swear, I think it's, it's something Italian. like, get some rest, or something like that? Yeah, it's something something like, uh, yeah, get some rest, old timer, or something like that. Something weird, but it's like, I always saw him as, maybe possibly didn't exist, Ezio was already dying in that moment, and he kind of just saw a guy that, I don't know, somewhat embodied possibly what he could have become, in a way, if he didn't go down the route of becoming an assassin, didn't find all that righteousness, he could have become that kind of guy um but yeah i don't know and then there's a yeah. mystery i of think the sound effect when he touches his shoulder and was there a poison click like ugh, it just gets messed yeah uh, yeah yeah it's it's messed yeah. up when you go into the reddit pages <laughs> about that guy you just go down a path you're never going to turn back from yeah yeah all oh, the darkness oh, 
Oh, I'd, and Gabe, I'd forgotten. I'd suppressed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, um, now we have, if you have time for it, Gabe, some community questions we could run through, if that's all right with you. Sure, yeah, yeah. I've we, got uh, I got probably like, uh, I don't know, like 10 more minutes or something like that. Perfect. That, that's perfect for us. Um, well, there's a lot, but a lot of them are things, one, I know you can't answer, we've already talked about, or just insanity. Um, there's that, but also lots of questions that are asked multiple times. <laughs> um, ah, for sure. you, you had some teed up, James? Yeah, well, we already answered the one about, because Colm from the ones who came before asked um, how it felt to watch the community farewell the uh, UB Central put together, and I think you already kind of went over that. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that was, it was, that was out of control. It was, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't want it to seem like I cry all the time, like I'm just a big crybaby, like it's just going around <laughs> crying all the time. But there have been like a few moments where the, the emotion just struck me, and uh, yeah, that was definitely one of them. Where yeah, yeah, the, yeah. that Roger Craig Smith part of it, I just cracked up laughing. I was just hysterical. It was awesome. It was so good. That with the voice actors, I was just like, I can't even, like I. I, I can't even fathom that they would take any time at all out of their busy schedule of like being phenomenal voice actors to bother to make a video for me. That's you it. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that anyone would do it is just mind boggling to me. But then Roger, who I know is like working all the time and it's like I like he's so nuts. Like he's an amazing, amazing person and I love him to death. Like there was a time when I was at E three with uh Andrew uh Andy um, and, and, and Loomer um, so Escoblades and Loomer and we were like walking out of the show floor and all of a sudden you're, hey Gabe, Gabe and I look over and, and it's Roger Craig Smith coming up to me like to say hello to me and yeah. I'm just and wow. like, he's like hey what's going on man I'm just like what's going on with you and this was the year I was just like all what's going on with you you're Batman this year <laughs> <laughs> he's like ah yeah well you know I mean uh, yeah. Batman <laughs> so yeah. it's just like he like he's I, I can't even, like, I get the biggest, uh, like, uh, like stars in my eyes when I'm around him because he's just the most humble guy and, like, so cool and so funny all the time, like, just being himself. He's he's amazing. And he's um, Ezio. But, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insanity. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I got another one here from Dat Random Name, though, who asked, what's your favorite AC mission in any AC ever? Whoa, that's a very big question. Oh my god! Because you keep that on the top of your head at all times, in case anyone asks oh, you that. So it's such an so easy question. <laughs> lately, I have been uh, really missing the what used to be called linear gameplay sequences (LGS), uh, and so those are the sequences in the original like Ezio trilogy and things like that, where the you would you would just run down like a hallway or something to try and get things done there was a bunch of them i think in brotherhood where you did uh the the or the lair of romulus the wolves yeah the romulus yeah the romulus mm -hmm. missions um so yeah uh but i think the one that i was thinking about that i remembered being really really fun was in revelations in not the hagia sophia but the big tower there's one where you're in galata tower oh galata yep and it has one of the craziest like views where it's like 
Ezio falls down like a chute and is like trying to grab on and oh, like yeah, grabs a rope and then like mm. and then when he finally grabs onto the edge and it's the edge of this giant archway that's just there's nothing underneath him. That's and that's a brilliant mission. Yeah, I really I really like that one. I'll go ahead and pull that one out of the out of the pouch. And it's so yeah. I felt like such a bad and I felt like it was almost perfected those types of missions, the to- assassin tomb missions where. I felt like it was so at that point I'd played them all and done them all so much missions like that and the way they were perfected by the developers in terms of being set out that I could do it in so quickly intuitively like I didn't need it on first try I did it flawlessly just because it was so intuitive at that point and they'd mastered how to create it and I got it and I felt like wow I am a 52 year old Ezio right now you know he would know this <laughs> it's true it's true yeah for mm. sure yeah. Another um, question was, and oh, it was okay. this is one that like everyone was asking, and it's pretty much who's your favorite character and what's your favorite game in Assassin's Creed? Oh, who's my favorite character and what's my favorite game? Well, I think my favorite game is gonna is Brotherhood. Yep. Stick with that. Yep. Stick nice. with that one. My favorite character is tough. I think my favorite assassin is Aveline. Whoa! Um, well, I didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, That's absolutely. Ra- better than Ezio, really? Yeah, no, I love Aveline. Whoa, Aveline is so good, Aveline. and like her relationship with like her weird little flunky guy that's like so obviously in love with her, and she just doesn't care. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. No, I, I, I love Aveline. I feel like she's one of the more interesting characters, um, because she has a lot of like social issues to deal with like her place in society is not at all defined whereas like Ezio is pretty pretty well defined where his place is in society and he's I mean I I love him and also there's part of it too that like he's like the most popular assassin so I obviously can't choose him oh you're just being George being my brother he makes uh, lists on Assassin's Creed topics and he did like top five best Assassin's Creed games and Tyler was like why wasn't like Brotherhood first he's like well everyone picks that I want it to be different so it's just like this list of lies. So I'm like, so it's not your list. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just a list. <laughs> it's a list that's hipster, but not your opinion. Yeah, it's a weighted list. <laughs> that's brilliant. Oh my god. <laughs> so, but also, I do really, really love Aveline, and I also like what she did for the series, right? Like, just in general, to be like, to be a character that was on the the Vita on like a secondary like platform um and then she's also like a playable female protagonist uh in the series and she has a whip which i think is awesome um and she gets to fight crocodiles which is also <laughs> awesome it's not a catfish yeah sure. no not, <laughs> not at all <laughs> But also, I like the part of the world that she's in, too. Like, New Orleans is, like, I feel like we could... And then she also goes down to Mexico. I'm always, like, fascinated by the parts of Assassin's Creed that involve Mexico. Um, because it just seems like such a... Like, we don't know anything about it, right? Like, mm. we see Opia for a bit in Black Flag. Yeah. And... But just, like, for, like, a split second, we do, like, two or three quests with her. And I love her character. But, like, I... I need more time with her like i would love to play like a little chronicles about opia or whatever and her people um and then also uh i can't remember his name right now because i have to keep like thousands of names in my head all the time when i think about assassin's creed but uh Atabai. 
Oh, yeah, from Black oh, Flag. Yeah, yeah. I want to know more about that guy. He's one of the ones where it's like, in terms of like the Central American, South American assassins, like is really, really crazy. Yeah, that's like I, I just I I want to know more about about these characters. Yeah. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. You got the you got the next question, James. Uh, yeah. This is one from Hellcutter, and he asks, "Who's your favorite Templar?" Who's my favorite Templar? Yeah. Oh, geez. You know, that would have been a, not a difficult question. But now I have to try and cho- choose between... I don't really feel like Shay is in the running, honestly. Like, if, I, if I'm being honest, I don't yeah. think Shay is in the running. Yeah. It's between... For me, it's between Haytham and Elise. Uh, mm. Not Cesare? Yeah, I'd go with Cesare. That'd be mine. Uh, Cesare uh, or Haytham would be mine. I can't stand Cesare. No, I never liked him. Not even, like, a little bit. Ugh. Everything about him is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's a good villain. Like, that's why I like him. He's like, Oh, no, dude. he's the best villain because he is, like, the embodiment of evil. And, like, mm. he's got that weird relationship with his sister. Like, yeah, it's so creepy. Perfect Wait, villain. that's weird? Oh, shit. I guess yeah. you're right. It's your favorite. Okay. Who do you like? Who do you like out of the Templars? But that yeah. wasn't – yeah, I thought the question was who's your favorite Templar. I'm like, oh, yeah, well. Favorite yeah, Templar. That makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Be, yeah, yeah, I think it I think be hate them. He's a good one. I love Hatham. He's fantastic. He's he's probably mine if I was just going favorite and personality-wise. I mean, I thought he was the good guy of Assassin's Creed 3. That's partly why, I mean, with the whole Connor situation, was when you have amazing quotes like uh, when he talks about... Well, when Connor's arguing for George Washington and Hatham turns around and goes, the people didn't choose um, George Washington. It was done in private by privileged individuals with their own agenda. You know, you don't know anything about freedoms and and justice. You know, that's what we're fighting for. And I'm like, wow, this guy's the yeah. good guy right now. Who's the uh, yeah, yeah, right? That is good it, for sure. One of those amazing quotes. <clears throat> are there any more questions, James? Uh, that the, those are three that I got that I thought were the main question. We kind of went over a lot that people asked during the podcast, so those were the three that kind of stood out as things we didn't really include. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I'm looking through and it's mostly just like, yeah, favorite games, favorite characters, all that sort of stuff. And obviously there's things you can't answer. Like, was the Empire leak real? Like, obviously you can't answer that question. Like, <laughs> Again, like, Gabe, you can give up your job for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> what's real and what's not? It's just kind of like, yeah, well, we, yeah, we know you can't answer that and things like that. Um, so I think that's all the the questions we have. That's all the questions the community has um, that we've got from here. So I know you're a busy man and we'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It, it's humbling for us and we really appreciate it. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries at all. It was good. <laughs> Any, anything else, James, you want to say? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think I think we went over everything. That was I, I had a great time. That was an awesome, awesome podcast, game. Yeah, so thank you very much. And I know the community thanks you for all the great work you've done uh, for Assassin's Creed, uh, and uh, we thank you for again for your work as well. And I'm sure I'm very excited for whatever you're going to be working on uh, in the future, with whether it be continuing to consult throughout many titles with Ubisoft, whether it be Assassin's Creed or specifically a future project and things like that so that's super exciting and uh i'm very much looking forward to that so thank you again that's it's totally my pleasure this is one of my favorite things to do is to actually be able to talk to community members and hang out with people um it's definitely like my 
one of the one of the high points of the job. So, yeah, no, it's it's one hundred percent my pleasure. Thanks, thanks so much for having me on the show. No, yeah, no, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> so, thank you. And uh, that that's pretty much where we're going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, you can find Gabe at UbiGabe on Twitter, and obviously. Uh, on our YouTube channels, mine being Tynamite, James being Lasers, which is probably where you're listening to this, unless you're on, of course, SoundCloud and iTunes as well. So, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see I you. I do want to just oh, say, yeah, sorry, really well, quick, mid outro, yep, real quick, no, real <laughs> quick. This is an this is an important point that I have to make okay. before we end. Uh, everyone, buy our merch. There's a link in the description uh, to the spreadsheet. <laughs> we can buy T-shirts with our faces on them. Buy buy them, everyone. Thank uh, hey, okay, James. you can carry on, Tyler. Hey, James, cool. do you cool. have one of the T-shirts? I have both of our T-shirts. Do you have any of the T-shirts? <laughs> I'm going to get one, man. <laughs> Selling products you don't have. <laughs> I have the T-shirts. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, oh, God. Cool. Um, and, and, of course, uh, James and I, our Assassin's Creed multiplayer battle will be happening very soon. Uh, so, everyone stay hyped for that. And, uh, yeah, we will see you on the next Kill Connor Club episode. Thanks again for watching, everyone. See you later.